3: We continue to churn it, baby. Good afternoon, all. Big Sills National Football Show. It is a football Friday. We can officially start to say that now and welcome aboard here. God. You know, just watching football last night was pretty awesome, wasn't it? I, the game sucked. There was penalties everywhere. Nobody was starting, but still, wasn't it great to see Doug Peterson on the sidelines again? Josh McDaniel on the other side. All the Hall of Famers seeing Vermeil last night. I'll get to Dick Vermeil here in a minute. But how great was it to see football? You got the gold jacket ceremony tonight. You got the Hall of Fame inductions on Saturday. What's going to be more of a stat line? How many times Vermeil cries at his induction speech? Or how many times he thanks the city of Philadelphia, right? Hey, Hey man that's right. Hey Xander. I watched four quarters of football. I watched four quarters of the worst football on the planet last night. I'm with Xander. I'm just sitting here watching this thing even through the rain delay. I'm watching that thing last night. Man, I I loved it man. I love seeing all the Hall of Famers too. So please hit the like button. Guys, I first and foremost want to start by an article in the Inquirer today. I really really loved the article in the Inquirer about Darren Dalton. Darren Dalton and I were close boys. He lived in Tampa. Well, actually, he lived in Clearwater. And he dated and then ended up marrying Lynn Austin. Lynn Austin was the very first Hooters girl in the history of that company. And get this, Darren Dalton and I are born on the same day. And I used to always kid them when I went over for dinner, when those two were married, And I used to go like this. Oh, I see. So you go from one January 3rd guy to another January 3rd guy. Darren Dalton loved it. Obviously, at the end of his life, he battled with brain cancer. And uh, he was just a super guy, man. And I really enjoyed that story in the Inquirer today. I did. I mean, you talk about one of the great characters of all time. In Philadelphia sports history, Darren Dalton was that dude, man. Man, I... I love that guy. We used to go and hang out. He would take me over. He was the guy that introduced me to Terry Francona when Francona was managing the Phillies. And we'd go over to Clearwater and we would watch the Phillies play. And I'd sit there with Darren all the time and we would just have conversations about baseball, his playing days and how much he revered playing in Philadelphia. Man, God, what a great guy Darren Dalton was. I just absolutely loved a guy. Passed away a couple of years ago. And I reached out to Lynn today, his ex-wife, and I sent the story over. She started crying on the phone to me. She's like, Sills, that's it's beautiful about how the impact that he still has on people. When it comes to what he battled at the end of his life. It was a really a great story and well done. And I give kudos to the Inquirer for that. Man, that guy was such a great character, man. I loved, still love Darren Dalton, man. What an absolutely great dude, man. Dutch was so revered in that city. Man, Philly loved that guy. He he maybe is one of the forgotten. Heroes of that city, but man, I saw that article and I had to read it. I'm like, man, my boy, Darren Dalton, man, what a great individual. Just a super individual, man. I can't wait for this Saturday too, to see Vermeil go into the pro football hall of fame. By the way, Xander, that dude that was on with sports take the hall of fame voter who contributes to Jacob sports and writes columns and wrote the Vermeil column. For Jacob Sports is freaking awesome. He is awesome. I want that guy on. He was great. Intel his assessment of Jalen Hurts, his assessment of the NFC East. Um, talking about Vermeil, he was spectacular. I thought he was great. I, I really did. I thought he was just great. He talked about Vermeil and how. Coach Vermeil was so tough when he first got to Philadelphia, how he ran those guys into the ground. He chronicled his story, talked about how Vermeil had to change as a head coach when he got to St. Louis and he was coaching the Rams. I'll give you the Rams story on how he went with Kurt Warner instead of going out in the free agent market. There were, there were people inside that organization. And I think Mike march wasn't one of those because I'm friends with Mike march the former offensive coordinator of the Rams for Vermeil. Real quick here, let me tell you the story and how the whole Kurt Warner thing went down. It was crazy, man. Okay? It was crazy. So Trent Green gets hurt in the exhibition season. Every single coach, except I think for Mike march the offensive coordinator, went like this to Dick Vermeil. We got to get a quarterback in here. We have too much talent. Marshall Falk, Holt, you know, they had Isaac Bruce. They had all these spectacular players. Their defense was great. It was a Super Bowl roster ready to rock. And after Trent Green went down, everyone was like, Dick, we got to go get a quarterback. Let's make a trade. Mike Martz told me the story. He goes like this. They're in a team meeting they had to make the decision. Warner had played so well in the exhibition season. But here's the thing. Warner had played well in the exhibition season in Green Bay, too. And, you know, you want to hear something? Um, Mariucci went to him and said, dude, you're really good. Even Mike Holmgren. But you know what they had in Green Bay? Kurt Warner. They had Ty Detmer, Brett Favre, and Mark Brunel all in that quarterback room in Green Bay. Kurt Warner had no chance of making that team because there were so many good football players in Green Bay, so they cut him. He goes to the World League, Arena League, does all this, and he just goes like this. He's sitting in that meeting. Everybody, personnel people goes, hey, Dick, what do you want to do? We'll start making some calls to try to get a trade going to get a quarterback in here. Vermeil goes like this. now. There's something special about this guy. And they were like, what guy? He was Kurt Warner. There's something about this guy. I think he's a winner. We're going to win with Kurt Warner. We're going to win with this guy. I, I I, 100% believe it. You know, you go back and you watch that movie Invincible. You know, and he goes to Vince Papali and he goes to Papali, I stuck my neck out for you when no one wanted you here. He learned that lesson in Philly when he went with Kurt Warner. You imagine having a guy in a locker room like that or your head coach looks you in the face and goes, I'm going to stick my neck out for you. That's coaching. That's belief. That's trust. Man, I'll run through a brick wall for a guy like that. No, we're going to win with you. Kurt Warner puts a Hall of Fame career together just because of that belief and faith that Dick Vermeil, think of how, how that could have went in a different direction if the Rams went out with Charlie Army, and they, the general manager at the time, and went out and they ended up getting another quarterback and brought him in because he kind of wanted to hedge his bets. No way, not Vermeil. That's one thing you could say about Dick Vermeil. You could say this about Dick Vermeil, and it's probably, it, it, it probably defines him. Dick Vermeil, man, when he puts his faith in someone, he's all in. He is all in. And he believed in that guy. He trusted that guy, Kurt Warner, and he went with him. I thought of Vince Papali when he was like this he gave a guy that didn't even go to college a spot on an NFL football team. He wasn't doing it. Maybe a little bit at the beginning because he wanted to get the community around the team again, because the community had kind of turned their back on the team, because the team had kind of turned their back on the community. And for me, maybe it was at the beginning, but then he started seeing something in the character in the guy. Now, this guy's good enough to make my team. I want him on my team. I want guys like that on my team. He probably saw the same thing at Kurt Warner. Nah, we're going to win with him. That's why Dick Vermeil belongs in Canton. That's a coach, man. That's a coach. I can't wait to see the passion that he has on Saturday. For his profession. What an absolutely phenomenal moment it's going to be for the NFL to put someone like Dick Vermeil. And you know what? It's not about win percentage when it comes to a coach like that. You know what it's about? Character. Belief. Trust. All of those things that you think are quirky that people put on a chalkboard. That guy lives by that stuff. That guy coached with those intentions takes over a crappy ass Philadelphia Eagles team turns them into NFC champions takes over a crappy ass St. Louis Rams team that was going nowhere since they landed in St. Louis turns them into champions goes to Kansas City continues the great success that the Hunt family had there in Kansas City no coincidence Dick Vermeil had great success there too Think about what he did as a coach and the men he influenced and the people that he's touched in his life. That is a man. That's not a bullshit artist. There are so many people that I have had that I've crossed paths with that, you know, that are great coaches and that you know, that aren't great coaches and great people for All of them. Great dude, great coach, hard driven, and it's going to get the very best out of you. That's what a coach is. Not gimmicks. Not sayings or shirts. Do you see a little bit of Dick Vermeil and Nick Sirianni? Yeah. I think Nick's sincere. I think that's what turned the boat last year for the Eagle team at two and five was his sincerity. Sometimes you get coaches that walk into a locker room. We got to do this, man. Yeah, okay, guy. And you still lose the locker room. Sirianni goes, what do we have to do here? Okay, we're going to have to be one-dimensional, but we're going to figure it out, right, men? And those guys went, yeah, coach. Let's just run the ball, dude. Let's run it down people's throats. Let's punch people in the face every Sunday. And that's what the Eagles did. You know, when the Eagles were two and five last year, Nick Sirianni challenged that locker room to get into fistfights every Sunday. And that's what they did. And they fought their way to a nine and eight record and an opportunity to get into the postseason. That's a little dick for meal. That's a little dick for meal there, man. Fighting yourself into a position that gives you a chance to succeed. Life's a fight. You know that. And when you got a guy like that, there's a little Dick meal, I think, in Nick Sirianni. I do. I think that's how we turned the tide last year. I mean, there's no way. You, you, you can't just put shit on a chalkboard and think people are going to follow it just because you write it on a chalkboard and your title of your job is coach. You got to look people in the face and go, dude, I believe this 100% on how we're going to win. Please follow me. You're not begging, but what you're doing is you have to have blind faith. Men, do you know what blind faith is? How many people in here believe in God? How many people are watching us right now that believe in God? How many people? All of us? I believe in God. I follow the words of Jesus Christ and God. I believe in God 100%. But isn't it blind faith? You believe there's an afterlife. You believe that when you do things in your life, you're doing things so that you can make it to the promised land to see your maker and to have your come to Jesus conversation one day with Jesus Christ. But it's blind faith, right? That's what coaching is. It's blind faith. You've got to have a belief in your coaches. you got to have a belief in your process that these coaches are going to take you somewhere that you're not sure, but you know what? You have to have conviction in your life to get you there. Coaching, belief, blind faith, it's what coaching is all about. You've got to be almost like a spiritual leader when you're a coach. Because these guys don't know if you're full of shit or if they can trust you. They have no idea. And when you get guys like Vermil, you're looking at that process and faith that you have. That, to me, is the first sign of a good coach. Make me believe, coach, to follow you first then I'll run through a wall for you. Same way Vermeil did it, all them years. That to me is what coaching is. Blind faith, getting the followers to follow. You know the difference between, you know, it's funny, I could spot a bullshit artist versus a head coach in two seconds. I try to keep the bullshit artist close to me, invest because you know why? Those could be the most dangerous people in your lives. The people that you can keep at a distance are the people that you trust in your life, actually, because they know they're not going to stab you in the back. Those are the people that you know that have your back at all times. Like my wife, my wife's my greatest partner. She's my greatest partner. Then my aunt, absolutely. All about coaching and blind faith. That's what, I'm going to wait for it to see on Saturday. So I'm looking so forward to that. So, hey, man, I, I, I've i run into Dick Vermeil numerous times. I'm just a big admirer of Dick Vermeil, man. Okay? I, I, I really am. I, I'm just a gigantic believer in coaches who coach with that style. They drive you hard, but they also love you in the same process. That can happen. All right. Let's do this. We're going to go over a couple things here. And by the way, the Big Sales Top 10 Power Rankings are out today. I saw, by the way, USA Today Sports have the Eagles ninth on their list, which means this they're fourth in the NFC. Geez, Andrew, who said that a couple months ago? All of a sudden, people are starting to subscribe to what I said. A few months ago, I said the Eagles were the fourth best team in the NFC. And I still hold to that. Now, USA Today Sports is saying the same thing. I had them ranked ninth. I had them ranked ninth also. gee, USA Today Sports has the Philadelphia Eagles ranked ninth. I love it. All right. I'm going to ask you a question right out of the gate. By the way, let me tell you our Pat show today. At the bottom of the hour, the CEO of the Atlanta Falcons and the chairman of the competition committee, Rich McKay, will join us. Rich is the third most powerful person in the National Football League. By the way, it came down to Rich McKay or Roger Goodell when Paul Taglebu stepped away from the game as commissioner of the sport. It was either going to be Rich or Goodell. And many people think the guy that is going to be on this show at the bottom of the hour is going to be the next commissioner of the National Football League. I think he is too. And he's my friend, the CEO of the Falcons. Rich McKay, bottom of the hour. A fan's perspective. By the way, Jalen Hurts loves this guy. We may have to go back and forth in hour number two, Lord Brunson. LB will be with us at 4.30 Eastern time. So we are packed. I appreciate everyone stepping in as we're here. Do me a favor. Once again, please hit the like button. Looking forward to talking to Rich McKay at the bottom of the hour, the CEO of the Falcons and the chairman of the NFL's competition committee. All right. Before we get Rich on. The 2022 Philadelphia Eagle defense will be what? What? this year, top five, top 10, or decent? Fill in the blank. What will this version of the Jonathan Gannon defense look like by the end of the year? With all the additions, with all the new faces, potentially all the new schemes that we're going to see. How do you think this defense looks and performs, more more importantly, by the end of the year? Travis says top five. Steven says decent. Big picking. Top five on paper. That's more of a hype comment they're picking. Has to be top 10 in order to compete, says Brian. Top 10 for sure, says William. Alex, let's go overall. I'll take it from what you just said. I think you're right to say that, not just in rush defense, pass defense, scoring defense. Good call, Alex. You're right to put a definition on it overall defense that's good alex appreciate that yes overall top 10 need more training time potentially great says mike but i'll save it till i see it lewis bird gang says if we're not top 10 someone's getting their ass fired If you ask Seth Joyner, Gannon is the problem. If you ask Dan Silios, Jonathan Gannon is the problem as well. I'm going to say this to you where I think this team lands. I think they're top 10. I think there's just too much depth on this football team, especially on that side of the football, to sit there and think that they – Now, look, we saw something happen in Washington last year. I thought that that Washington defense last year, now, look, when Chase Young ended up going down, that kind of put a little bit of a wrench in the whole machine there in Washington, but they completely underachieved last year. So we've seen this before. When you add new components to a football team, folks, we've seen this kind of stuff, but I think this has the potential to be a top-10 defense. You see, I want to say it one more time. I don't think there's really anybody exceptional on it. But I think you have the deepest roster in the league. Especially in the O-line. And especially in the D-line. It resembles... It resembles a little bit of what we saw in 2017. The only difference is, going into this year, there's obviously more hype on this team. I think you're better at corner. As a group, I think there's been an upgrade. I Look, I like Marcus Epps. I think he's going to improve. I think by the end of the year, he's going to be a solid football player. I would say this to you. The most improved part of the football team so far for me has been the linebacking core. I've been pretty impressed with what they're doing. When you watch them go around drills and you hear the people talking and you watch what they're fundamentally doing and you hear the players talking and how well that they're really understanding what Jonathan Gannon has been asking them to do this year versus last year. There is a difference by the linebackers just in conversation when they're talking about what they're doing. I think there's better linebackers this year. Well, how about this? On August 5th, it looks that way that the linebackers right now look like they're more in tune with what's going on. By the way, I would not be shocked to see Jordan Davis be more of the defensive end. You know, when you run a 4.78 at 348 pounds, I don't think I would have a problem putting him out there on the edge versus just putting him on the nose. Why would I waste 4.78 and a 40 yard dash on a nose guard position? Let's see what this kid can do in space. Could he be a Calais Campbell? I don't know. He may be too big to be out there. Then again, Reggie White was 305. This kid's an athlete. Well, put him in an athletic position. Nose guard's not an athletic position. Okay, it's a slug's position. See what he can do. Put him on the short side of the field. If you have to rotate him, okay? Don't let him have to set the edge on the wide side of the field. Let him set the edge on the short side of the field. But when you run a 4-7-8 and you got that kind of athleticism and you can run those blocks the way he does... I don't know. Let's experiment a little bit. Let's see what the kid has. I don't necessarily have to just isolate him inside. Why not put him out there a little bit? You see, Jonathan Gannon has a little bit more leeway now to use players and move them around. Sweat, Milton Williams, you know, Graham. You can can move these guys, Hassan Redick. You can move these guys all around now. Brian, I... I'm more apt to move a guy who runs a 478 around than I am a guy who runs a five flatten as a nose guard. Like I'm not running Fletcher Cox around, even in his prime. Guy who runs a 478 at 338 pounds. I think I might do that. Let's see what he can do. See what he can do. I think this team has a great chance to be great, this defensive team. For the Eagles, and I'm going to say, I think they have a great chance to be a top 10. I don't know. When you're a top five, that means you're an elite pass rushing team. Your turnover ratio is sensational. I mean, let's see what happens out of the gate, okay? By the way, they had practice off today. And by the way, that's a league thing. I found out from the collective bargaining agreement. It's pretty much league-wide. Now, they, from what I understand, they increased, and I'm going to ask Rich McKay here in a couple minutes, they increased practice time this year more than they have in the past. Okay? I mean, so this year you're seeing more hitting and actually more guys in pad time than you did last year. They've done a lot of little nuances because of the 17th game to try to keep players healthier. That has been a priority. And see, you know, I, I had Bill Romanowski on yesterday, and Bill was talking about how the 49ers back in the day never practiced in full gear. And, I mean, God, they won five Super Bowls during that entire era. He won two just when he was there. And they were always the healthiest team at the end of the season. But then again, like I said, when you have Joe Montana, Ronnie Lott, Jerry Rice, <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you got a pretty good football team there, right? So, I mean, you have some of the greatest players in the history of the sport that are on that football team, but they were healthy, and you had a Hall of Fame coach, and Roger Craig. So, there's more practice time now. Um, I I just don't know. I just want to see how they get out. Now, look. Bill said yesterday, hey man, you know, when you really aren't hitting anybody and you're a football player and you're a defensive minded guy, you can't wait to knock someone on their ass. He's right. you supposed to see somebody in a different uniform. I think that's kind of where the mentality in Philadelphia is right now with that defense. These guys are hungry to get on the field and start these controlled scrimmages and also play the Jets next week. So I get it. So I think this football team has a phenomenal chance to be a top 10 team. And by the way, and I'm talking defense here, then we're going to get over to the offense here in a second here. My only concerns are this. Again, you know, when you have so many toys, sometimes you don't know what to play with and you don't know where to put them all in order. And you don't know what the priorities are sometimes. And sometimes you look at it and you start out coaching yourself or out scheming yourself. The most important thing that that defensive unit has to accomplish this year, and here are the goals that I'm putting down for the Eagle defense this year. Try to keep people under 24 points. Try to keep people under 305 total yards. Try to limit people to 19 first downs. Don't give up more than one plus 25 yard play You put those together in a modern-day NFL with a passing NFL, with yardage in the NFL, you're going to have success. Flex says this, Gannon coaching for his career. If this D isn't top five or seven, he won't have a job in his career again. Could be. There's a lot of guys that are in that position. What you don't want to hear is this. Well, last year was a one-year wonder for Sirianni and his staff. Totally what you don't want to see. Not at all what you don't want to see. You, you don't want to see that. You know, I'll tell you guys something here. I'm fortunate in my, in my time, in my in my life, where I've been able to meet some of the greatest people in my life. And I got to tell you something here years ago, I'll never forget this. Jerry Angelo sat me down and he sat me down when I was getting ready to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And I'll tell you folks, and I tell folks this all the time, you know why I failed? I failed because I wasn't mentally prepared to be a national football league player, Rich McKay and Jerry and all them guys and Kruger and them guys in Tampa were right about me. I mean, Ray Perkins drafted Lawrence Taylor, the guys were right. But playing in the NFL today, it's about being a professional, too. And one of the great professionals in the NFL is our friend Rich McKay, who's the CEO of the Atlanta Falcons. And he joins us right now. Rich, I want to show you something right out of the gate. You ready? Ready. Look at this. Leroy Salmon. Yep.
4: To Dan, you know, best always.
3: What a guy, huh? Uh,
4: you know, Dan, I don't think people realize um... – First of all, he was a great player. Um, but more importantly, he was an unbelievable human being. I mean, Leroy was just, um, God almighty, you just never saw him without a smile on his face. And it didn't care if we were in a locker room. Uh, I grew up with him losing 26 games in a row with my dad. It's the hardest time of our lives. And every time my dad had a phrase he used to say, you ever feel bad, just go stand by Leroy and put a smile on your face. And it was just because he just—that's who he was. Uh, just an incredible guy. I'm so jacked he got in the Hall of Fame. It would have been so disappointing if a guy whose career was cut short because of a Pro Bowl game. Remember, he got hurt in the Pro Bowl. Um, didn't make it, but he did make it, which is fantastic. I, I I tell people this all the time. yep yeah,
3: people don't realize Leroy was like 41 and two at Oklahoma, and you guys had won all those national championships at USC. You go to the Bucks. You start losing. And I, I remember talking to your dad and I go, how did you handle
4: that? He goes, horribly. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. He did. Um, you know what's crazy? Uh, I, you know, I'm fortunate enough in the football world that I've had a million you know cool moments. But one of the coolest moments was 16 years old in Tampa in a van, go to the airport and pick up Leroy and Dewey Selman uh, to arrive in Tampa for rookie minicamp after we drafted him. It was really cool. I still remember. You know, those guys were Dewey Selman is a hell of an individual. and and you know for a guy that didn't have any of Leroy's ability, he was a good football player. so i'm uh, I'm a Selman fan.
3: Absolutely. Hey, hey, Rich, before we get into some of the nuances that some of the fans may see this year with the play on the field, your Falcons, how tough was it to let Matt Ryan go? and, you know, the relationship that you had, the organization had, Matt had, in Atlanta how difficult was that process to send him to Indianapolis
4: hard you know it's hard Dan because um, you know uh, I was here when um, you know the franchise was doing pretty well uh, everything was in a good place uh, we had the uh, Michael Vick situation hit us um, it just it just really set us back uh, and then you know in that uh, Michael Vick year which which is the 08 season 07 season you know, I, I hired uh, Bobby Petrino, something, Dan, that I don't sleep at night. I don't go to bed at – if I go to bed at 10, I don't fall asleep till midnight. If I go to bed at midnight, I don't fall asleep till 2 because I, I just can't get over it. Um, but um, that was so hard on our fan base. You know, here's the guy, Michael Vick, kind of the face of our franchise. We're a good team. We got a chance to be a Super Bowl contender. He's gone. All of a sudden, Bobby Petrino's here. The whole thing is just off the rails and in the ditch. And, you know, here comes this skinny kid from Boston College showing up. You look like you weighed 180 pounds, you know, soaking wet and uh, just a great football player. Great person, great leader, um, did so much for the fan base, for our franchise, for our team, and for our community. You know, uh, you know Sarah and Matt are really good people, good parents, uh, everything you want. But the time was right uh, for the franchise. We have a new coach. We have a new GM. You know, we, we've obviously made a lot of changes last year. We're making more changes this year. Uh, so, you know, at some point it is the right time, and it was the right time, but hard, yeah, it was hard.
3: Arthur Smith. Rich, tell me tell me about him. You know, you see a lot of new face NFL head coaches, the Kevin Stefanski's, the the Brandon Staley's, the Nick Sirianni's in, in Philadelphia. I mean, there's a new wave of going towards these guys who work – closer with front office than say the other old school guys that were like this, this is my way. You guys get the personnel. There seems to be more of a collaboration. Is is that the intriguing thing about Arthur Smith and today's NFL coaches on what you guys are all looking for today?
4: You know, Dan, it's so hard when you, um, I've interviewed a few and been through a few coach search processes and, um, you have a lot of – you draw up a job description. You have a lot of traits you want. You have all these things. But in the end, there has to be a fit, right? And the fit has to start with the coach and the owner because the owner, you know, is is the owner of the football team, and this is their asset. And so I start that way. Um, but for us, for Arthur Blank and myself, what was easy about Arthur Smith was, you know, young, energetic, very smart um, – grew up uh just in a in a really cool situation in that he grew up the son of fred smith founder and uh, ceo forever of fedex and yet that wasn't who arthur wanted to be he wanted to be arthur smith right he wanted to be a football coach he started as a ga he went down the college ga path before he went to profile i mean everything you did the hard way he did the hard way never asked for any easy anything uh so you know, Arthur stood out because the other thing that was interesting, Dan, is is that, you know, as you may remember, we, we let our coach and our GM go after we were five weeks into the season. We were 0-5. Uh, so we had plenty of time to set the search up, to do the research. And when we did the research, it was pretty easy to see that Arthur Smith was going to be a candidate, a really good candidate, because everywhere you went back to, whether it was in the Redskins, whether it was the Titans, whether it was in his college days at North Carolina – it was all hey this this dude's a really hard worker. he's really smart, and he doesn't enter the room with his ego. That's not what comes in first. What comes in first is is intellect. and uh, so I'm an Arthur Smith guy. I've been very impressed with what I've seen. He and Terry Fontenot bonded with with head coach GM in a good way. Um, so I'm you know i'm I'm proud to have him leading our franchise and uh, he and another thing he does Dan that's really good is His work ethic off the charts, and and it always helps when you work hard.
3: Absolutely here. You know, I had a conversation a couple days ago with Mike Vrabel, and I love him, and I was all setting it up to talk to you, Rich. I got to tell you, and, you know, what happened with Ryan Tannehill in Miami, I think it kind of like maybe gives another lifeline to some of these quarterbacks that maybe it doesn't work out in one particular position, where back in our day, Rich, back in the when it started – A quarterback didn't work out at that place. You thought this guy was garbage or he was a bust. And look what Tannehill's done in Tennessee. He's 30 and 13. And I talked to Mike Vrabel about Marcus Mariota. And he goes, let me tell you something. One of the hardest things I ever had to do was take the job away from him because he's so well-revered in our community. He's a great guy. He's first guy in, last guy out. He goes, and he's rooting for him to have success in Atlanta. I'm a fan of him, Rich. I love the kid. Just give me a little bit on how that how that's working out for him right now.
4: Well, I think he says it best, right? This is an opportunity to restart his career and, uh, and a restart as a starter. And uh, he is not – there is nothing he's leaving on the table, Dan. He's working his tail off. Um, he's got a good relationship with Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith was with him, um, you know, in Tennessee when they made the decision to play Tannehill. And so, you know, that was a hard time for Marcus. And yet when Marcus had a choice – where to go this year, and he had plenty of choices, he picked here. That says something about Marcus and, and about the way he handled the situation in Tennessee. So he's not, uh, his, his practice habits, to, to Bravel's point, to Coach Bravel's point, his practice habits, his work habits, his leadership, all really, really positive. And I really like where he is in his career and that he is viewing this as hey, this is my opportunity to restart. This is it, this, I'm going to reset right here. So we'll see what he's got. And I so far so good. Rich,
3: finally on the Falcons here. Um, patience. How hard is it to have that when you know you you I, I, I thought the kid that you had there last year, uh, the kid Patterson, the uh, running back, I that was yeah. a that was a gold mine. The kid Pitts, sorry, he's a gator, I get it, but I thought he was a stud. I mean, there's pieces I'm seeing that you guys are putting together here, but how hard is that to sit there? And have the patients win. Look, you want to win. The organization wants to win. Arthur Blank wants to win. The community wants the team to win. It's a centerpiece in your city. How hard is that?
4: Uh, really hard. Uh, because, listen, we're not in the business of, of trying not to do anything other than win football games, period. That's the reason we're in the, in the game of football. Um, and our fans don't wake up every day saying, boy, I hope we're good in two years. Man, that would be good. I'd really like to be good in two years. You know, Dan, nobody wakes up and says that. Uh, you've got to deal with the realities of, of change. And and so for us, we knew in changing uh, the coach and the GM that you're going to change schemes. And when you change schemes, all of a sudden players don't fit as well. I mean, you, you played inside DT. You know when you change schemes and you go from one gap to two gap. Dan Silio, that used to be a one gap player, is going to have to hit two gaps. All of a sudden, it's not going to be so good. Uh, so... You know that that's happened to us, right? And, and that causes a reset with some some of the personnel. But I think the one thing is where you, where you feel comfortable and you hope the fans feel comfortable is just see the progress, just see the players that are getting added, just see how they fit, and see yourself getting better. We won seven games last year, and really had a chance down the stretch to stay in the in the mix and the discussion. Uh, you know, we're looking forward to this year. I can just assure you of that.
3: Man, I tell people that all the time. I mean, look. I didn't help myself in Tampa, but when they brought me there and said, "Let's play nose," I went. What's that? I never played a nose. I go. I mean, I'm, I'm a three. I'm a three technique and a one technique guy. Yeah. Get up the field and make plays. I don't know. Here, let 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 me get into Rich. What what nuances do you think the fans will notice this year? You're the chairman of the NFL competition committee. What nuances do you think that they'll notice? Most of all, of some of the changes that were made for this year's play.
4: I hope not a lot. I think the game, Dan, uh, I brought my competition committee book here in case you were going to ask me stats, but the game is really in a pretty good spot. You know, we measure the game competition committee wise, I should say, we measure the game, you know, not on popularity, not on television ratings, not on that. We were, we measured the game on, okay, what are the metrics that the fans have cared about for 40 years? They're pretty simple, right? Their yards per game, their passing yards per game, their points per game, their penalties per game, right? They're all those type of metrics, and those metrics for our game right now are really good. They really are. Uh, and that has led us to having really good quality football. Um, I think the only big change that we made rule-wise this year, we made a bunch of nuances in the back of the book just on, you know, make sure we're looking at illegal content. There's certain penalties that we've got to make sure we're always looking at. Um, but I think that the, the change in the, in the uh, overtime and the change in the playoffs, they're not going to see it. Hopefully, hopefully we don't have an overtime, overtime in, the, in the playoff game, although we'd be happy to be in one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, that, just the idea that both teams will get a possession there, that was a big discussion. Probably the biggest discussion we had this offseason was, okay, what are you going to do with the overtime rules? Our overtime game right now is really pretty good. The quality of the games, good. The results are okay. But in the postseason, it was broken. You know, we had 12 games uh, since we made the rule change. We had 12 games that went into uh, overtime in the postseason. Ten were won by the team that won the coin toss, two by the team that, that lost the coin toss. That just didn't feel fair to us. So that's a substantial change. Um, otherwise, our game, knock on wood, is pretty good. Now, Dan, what happens in our game, and just so you, so you see why we make so many changes over the years, everybody's like, why do we have so many rule changes? Well, our coaches are really smart, and our athletes keep changing, Right. The athlete that you were when you played is a different athlete today. Just a totally. bigger athlete, right? Just a bigger man. Uh, and 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 so all of those so that that causes us to change the rules. That so that that'll always motivate us because you know one thing that that defensive players and, and defensive coaches don't like to hear but accept is remember when we look at the scales of justice, which is offense and defense, we don't look at them this way. You know, I hate to say it, but we look at them a little that way. And the reason we look at them that way is, so do the fans. You know, we don't want a 1-0 soccer game. We don't want a 2-1 soccer game. Uh, we we want there are we have point targets. We want to get to 45 points a game. We want to, We don't want to ever go below 40. When we start to creep down, that's when you see us make rule changes. When defensive coaches get creative, invent new defenses. When Pete Carroll left USC, went to Seattle created the cover three in a different way that, that most people had played it. and just started absolutely slowing people down. Guess what? The rules got modified a little bit. So that's why when we make changes right now, knock on wood, we're in a good place. Um, I don't think they're going to see a game that's much different. One of the things that we have focused on in the last three years is a lot of times we talk about time of game. And so is it three Oh five? Is it three Oh four? Is it three Oh six meaning three hours and four minutes, five minutes, six minutes. That's a target, but the real target is pace a game. How much, how much lag time are we having? Because the one thing the fan in the stands and at home tells us is, don't have too much dead time. Don't, just don't have too many stoppages. Just don't. And that's why we tried last year to allow the officials to have help in their ear on certain plays. That was not noticeable by you, except I will tell you, it improved our officiating, it lessened the amount of replays, and it quickened the pace of the game all positives. I think year two of that program will be better.
3: Rich, couple things on the players here that I love that I think goes into the competition of the game year. So now we're going to see where players are going to have the opportunity to go on IR and then go on it twice this year. And to me, is that because of the health of what you're looking at with the players so that you can, you know, give an opportunity for these teams not to have to go on to the open market and I also yep. want to throw this into it, if we, and I could tag that question on, is that did you ever think about adding another bye week because of the additional 17th game that we're now having? I know you took an exhibition game away, but having the ability to go on IR twice in a year instead of just once yep. and maybe an additional bye, could that be something that we're looking at down the road?
4: Let's separate the two, okay, on, on the, on the uh, going on IR, right? So, so the old school people right, like myself, the George Youngs, the Bill Polians, you know, we were all on the committee together. And then, you know, I'm, I'm still on the committee, but I still, I can still hear George talking to me and I can hear Bill talking to me. We always were concerned um, as personnel guys, we were always concerned with this thing called stashing. What stashing was, Dan, is it was a team that what they would do is they would just hide players. So they'd tell you, they'd say, hey, Dan, uh, in this last preseason game, just kind of, sniper, here's yeah. the word, sniper. Yeah, yeah. So, so we always woke up and we got worried about that, right? I don't think we're worried about that anymore. Uh, I think what we look at, that's why, we, that's why the practice squad is 16 players. Heck, wow. when we started it, it was five, okay? And, and Bill was concerned about five. I mean, we started with five. So um, the reason is because we kind of look at it as though if you're a team – and you've built this uh, ecosystem, and you've developed these players, it's okay that we don't have to put everybody subject to waivers. We don't have to put everybody on the street. And then what we figured out is if you put too many people on the street, you don't have this big practice squad, and you don't let people come back from IR, then what happens is week 10, we have two injuries in a game. We have to go call and say, hey, Dan, okay, you haven't played since training camp. Can you, are, you, are you in good shape? I know what your answer is. I'm great shape, working out every day. Here you come in, you work out, you look good, we sign you, you get hurt, I don't know, three plays into the game because you're not ready to play. You haven't played in, you know, 12 weeks. You haven't done anything. But, you know, that's – so I, I just like the system of IR and the return from IR because when you, when you get hurt, you were training with us. When you're hurt and you're on IR, you're training with us, okay? You're staying in shape, you're doing – then we bring you back in practice, then you play. Your chances of getting hurt, are much lower than the guy we get on the street and the quality of your play much better. You know, our scheme, you know, what our calls are, you know, what our coaches are asking of you, you know, the players that are playing around you. So to me, I think the old school way I looked at it before of concern of stashing, I'm not sure we saw that right. I like the fact that now the Falcons developed this group of players and we can retain those players. We now have the right Dan under the uh, CBA, In our agreement with the union of our practice squad players, we can move them up to our active and play on game day three times Hmm. during the year freely. And I mean, freely only this, we're still going to pay them like they were regular players, right? Not practice squad pay. They get paid regular pay. But the other thing is that we don't have to put them on waivers and subject, subject them to the whole league. So I can activate you on Friday. You can play in the game on Sunday and on Monday, you revert back to the practice squad. That has, again, helped the quality of our game. So I, I do think that our, our partners, the union, um, uh, have done a good job with getting with us and saying, okay, let's be in the jobs business. Let, let's, let's make our ecosystem bigger. And then let's think about the fact that those people that we develop within our own system have a lesser chance of getting injured, which means the quality of our game improves.
3: Rich, two last questions here for you. And please help me out on this because, you know, I'm watching the Eagles practice. You know, we kind of cover the Eagles here and you know, they're off today. They were off the other day. I mean, look, the Ray Perkins oh, three a days. <laughs> hey, listen, I get Totally, it. Different. Your totally pops, different. Your pops your pops three a days. Totally different. All I I please help me out on this here because I looked at what you guys collectively bargained and what I saw what was different this year, you actually have increased more times in pads this year. Than maybe what you have in the past to be able to give those guys more chances. I mean, Rich, is that just a modern day NFL now where you're just not going to see these massive practices that you and I used to go through back in the day? It's a new NFL, right? doesn't
4: even, doesn't even, uh, you know, Arthur Smith and I were talking today during a break and um, people that played eight years ago, not not 15 years ago, not 20, I'm sorry, eight years ago, would not recognize training camp today. It's just different, way better, way safer. There's way more. Dan, the biggest difference for me, competition committee-wise, and then you know, I've had the, the privilege of being on the working group that, that negotiates on the CBAs, the biggest difference in dealing with all these issues is we actually have data. We know everything. We know if we put you in this position and we put you too many times in this position, your chance of injury goes up. So you know what? We're going to reduce that. And yet we're going to increase other things. So I just think we're way smarter today with our medicine, our data, and how we're going to use it to try to make football safer. And it doesn't mean that football is not a tough guy sport. It is. But it does mean that we can do a lot of things better. I just know that we used to start training camp for, I don't know, this is probably my 50 I think it's my fifty-fifth training camp. I've, my first camp I was six years old. Um, Going, Mike Garrett was a running back, uh, won a Heisman Trophy. So that's that's I don't that's sixty-five. So don't, <laughs> and, but I, that's um, when I think about that, Dan. Think about that. Every camp I saw from that point forward really started the same, which was within the first two days, you went down in the red zone and you found out who the men were. That's what it was. Remember, you went down to red zone. You said, okay, ball on the two-yard line. Let's see. Let's see the defense stop them, and we go in there and run. I don't know, 15 plays of, and you go and and you think today we don't do any of that. We don't even do red zone. We used to do it the first day, and then you would do. Um, I'd go to uh, Florida when Steve Spurrier, who you know was not the hardest coach there was, he was a, you know an easier guy. Go- he would do Oklahoma drills. Tim Russell and I would go just so we could watch Oklahoma. It was crazy what went on, and you know what? It's a prohibited drill now. You're not even allowed to do it. Uh, good for us. Good for us getting out of those days of using camp uh, to prove toughness. That just doesn't make sense. And, it, and the data says it's not a good idea. And then I do think the other thing different from when you played and when I got into the league was that training camp was the right definition. That's what we were doing. We were, you, you were drinking beer in the offseason, claiming to be working out, not doing much, and we were training guys. You know what I mean? It was training camp. That's what it was. Well, nowadays, our guys come in. we got 90 guys. Is there a chance that two of them are not in great shape? Yes. 88 really? of them, 88 of them are really yeah. good, like crazy good shape. And so um, the word training camp really is not – that's not what this is anymore. This is much more like, you know, getting ready, dress rehearsal reps as opposed to training these players to, to get into shape. They're in shape.
3: Rich, I'll tell you, man. So what when I obviously I played at Miami with Jimmy, and so those practices were pretty intense, obviously. But (laughs) so I get up there with with Ray Perkins, man. hey Peppin' Roots Root Stadium to me was like hell. I I had never went into a place and you you know, you had these little like uh, 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 air conditioning units that were in your wall. I'm in there, I'm in there with John Cannon. We're sitting in there and I'm going, like, we're gonna have three of days. We're sleeping <laughs> under a tent. If you remember, Ray would have us. You're, you're sleeping under that tent, and we're doing three a days. I mean, I'm, you know, now that I'm hearing you talk about it, you have the intel. You're, you think there's less injuries now today, at the start of the season, and then when it was back when we were going through all those two a days, the way they are.
4: Not even a question, huh? A okay, I'm we wrong. Have, then. We have data. We have, we have, and we can. What 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 happens is at the start of the season, the one thing we get at the start of the season that we that we're not that, that we're, we are going to keep drilling down in is we do get a lot of soft tissue injuries in those first two to three weeks, and the reason is because y- you you can't simulate game speed in the preseason, right? You know you don't the, the, the vested vet that's a really good player, he can look like he's really hauling and really giving it everything, but he's going eighty percent right? In most practices, 85%. Now, all of a sudden, here you are, the lights are on. It's game one. He's going. And guess what? Might be going for 45 plays full speed that there's no question. We get some injuries from that because in preseason, what did he go? 20 one yeah. time and maybe not play the other two games. So yes, there's some of that, but as far as the serious injury, as far as the knees, as far as the, the, the real injuries that, that uh, will, you know, take, a season away, I think the numbers are substantially better, no question. And then the other injury that we're always going to pay attention to, Dan, is going to be concussions. And our concussions last year, you know, continued to be that thirty percent down from the peak when we uh, cha- made a lot of changes to the rules and the helmets. And I don't, we're not going back to those numbers again. We'll do what we need to do to to stay down. And I think preseason numbers are really going to come down over time
3: okay well i uh todd lewicky told me to tell you to say hi okay he's a great a, guy he's a he's a dear friend of mine and i said to todd i go you know mckay's gonna be the next commissioner of the national football no, no, league no, and then this is God, what lewicky no. said dude nobody's leaving a gig like that <laughs>
4: <laughs> well i'll tell you what todd is uh he's a mr hockey again he's back to mr hockey good for him yeah great absolutely guy. great guy, super Todd's guy hey guy. rich have a
3: great year. Have a safe camp with all your guys. Thank you so much for spending so much time. It's going to be I, – I do you agree, Rich? This is probably going to be one of the most entertaining years that I can remember. you got the Brady send-off potentially. Um, the great thing about the NFL is, too, because the way you guys set it up from worst to first, I mean, the draft, the schedule, you always look at the lowest teams – have to be improved. You never let a team sit in the toilet as long as some of these leagues. The greatest thing about the NFL, in my opinion, Rich, you just don't know who's going to win it. You have your idea, but that's yeah. the beautiful thing about the competition. Competitive balance, create, Dan. isn't
4: it? Com- competitive balance. The, the two. You know, there was a phrase when I first got on the competition committee called parity, and a lot of the commentators said, "Oh, NFL's got a problem. They got too much parity." Well, you know what? We changed the phrase to competitive balance because it sounds better. It's really the same thing, but it's a great thing. The idea that every team, every fan wakes up and says, you know, my team's got a chance is fantastic because in baseball, and there's many challenges in other sports where they can't say that. Ours is ours. You can say that. And it's really cool.
3: Absolutely. Rich, great success to you. Tell Mr. I said hi to everybody there. Thank you so much. I appreciate you doing this, my friend. Talk to you down the road. See you, bud. You got it. That is the great Rich McKay, the CEO of the Atlanta Falcons. And boy, man, that was really a great conversation to tell us a little bit about the success of the National Football League and where it's going. And hey, listen, I've got to say this to you guys. Maybe I'm wrong here. And maybe I am sounding too old. Rich McKay has been raised in the National Football League. Okay. He's been raised in it. He understands it. His father coached in it. Rich has been the GM, the president, and now the CEO of the Atlanta Falcons. And I do believe that he'll be the next commissioner one day of the National Football League. And he's saying, look, those days are completely over with Dan. Three days, two days. It's a completely different NFL and I do think it's a different NFL because of what we're seeing a little bit of here with, you know, the the OTAs, these mini camps, where these players today, you know, back in the day, it used to be where a guy could use training camp to get into shape. Today, these guys, like Rich just said, these guys are all in shape. Okay, you're not going to show up to a Philadelphia Eagle camp fat and out of shape. That's not going to happen. Okay, that's not going to happen. So again. You know, look, I think it's more of a me thing than it is an eagle thing. I mean, look, you know, the the not hitting and the not practicing when it comes to tackling is probably my biggest issue, okay? That's my issue because I think to be a good tackling defensive football team, you got to practice tackling. That's the number one thing, in my opinion, that I think you have to do. I really do. I I, I think that's important that you have to have the technique on being able to be a good tackler. Okay. I mean, and when you're not practicing that, I don't know how fundamentally you can be sound when you want to line up against the lions and say that you're going to be a great tackling football team. Okay. Don't forget our two Lord Brunson will be with us. That'll be at four 30 Eastern. We're going to take a look at the offense. At the top of the hour, but don't forget, my friends at Morgan & Morgan, where the fee is free. Listen, folks, if you are hurt or injured on the job, there is no attorney firm out there that will protect you and your family more than Morgan & Morgan. They've collected over $13.5 billion over the past 30 years. And it's not with just this saying here, okay? Hey, but for the people. It's not a slogan. It's who they are. Over 800 attorneys strong in offices in Philadelphia, New York, Florida, all across America. They're the biggest firm, like I said, in the country, and they're ready to do battle for you to defend you and your family's rights. There's no such thing as a fender bender, and they will not be intimidated. Call them 800-512-1600. That's 800-512-1600. Open 24-7, seven days a week. 800-512-1600. Call us free, consultation's free. When you call Morgan & Morgan, do me a favor, tell them Dan Cilio sent you.
5: When choosing a lawyer for your injury case, you may ask, does the size of the law firm matter? Well, of course it does. The insurance company, they're huge with unlimited resources. And whether your case is big or small, they're built to bully you out of the money you're owed. But here's the good news. We're big too, the biggest actually. And we're built to bite to make them pay for all that was taken from you size is our strength there's only one morgan and morgan for the people.com.
2: On a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV, now you can watch six ABC twenty four seven with the six ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story and action. Be- Search six ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today.
6: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Seven, zero, three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia Dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
7: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. <laughs> Holy the shit! glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. So good, it just disappears.
3: football show with the boys, they kill. please hit the like button. Thank you guys so much for coming aboard. That was awesome getting Rich McKay on. Rich doesn't do very many interviews, and um we appreciate him taking time out of his day. So he's not only on the competition committee, but he's also on the collective bargaining committee that collectively bargains with the union and the league. And he's the CEO of the Atlanta Falcons. Wow, what an absolutely powerful guy. And we're really privileged to have him on the program. Lord Brunson, fans perspective. That'll be at the bottom of the hour at 4.30 Eastern. We look forward to talking to our friend. I'm going to get, we talked a little bit in the last hour about the defensive side of the football. We're going to talk a little bit about the offensive side of the football. But before I do that, I want to say this about Dak Prescott. You know, as much heat as we give Jalen Hurts, and I mean myself and other media people, I think Dak Prescott's under more pressure. You're the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, dog. And you haven't won anything. Okay? Jalen's fighting for his NFL future. Dak Prescott is fighting for his reputation do you want to be if you're Dak Prescott do you want to be considered Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen or do you want to be considered Kirk Cousins like many of you look at Kurt and say he sucks even though his numbers don't dictate that he's a good quarterback you never look at Kirk Cousins and go I want my quarterback in the last 60 minutes of the season if Game, all counts on this quarterback carrying me across the goal line. The majority of you are not going to pick Kirk Cousins. That's kind of how I'm starting to feel about Dak Prescott here. Okay? I'm starting to feel that about Dak. Somebody asked me this question this morning. Dan, what do you think of Dak Prescott? I look at Dak Prescott And I look at this and go like, I say this. I go, I think he's a fine player. I think he can throw the ball well. I think he's a great leader. I think if you want to pay a guy a lot of money and you want to put a blueprint together on what a quarterback should look like when it comes to representing your football team, Dak has all the intangibles. But when it comes to actually being an elite guy, dude, you got to win more than one playoff game. You've got to win more than one. And you got... Hey, that's okay with the Jets. So the Dallas Cowboys outside the owner, I think there's more pressure on Dak Prescott. I look at Dak Prescott and I say this, if that dude shits the bed this year and I don't get a chance to see the Dallas Cowboys win the NFC East, I'm not predicting you, but if they don't win the NFC East and I'm paying you 45 million bucks, dude, That's an F. Watch this. We're talking about success for the Eagles this year, winning the East, getting a playoff win. That shows improvement. That ain't good enough for Dak. I'm paying you $45 million, dog. That ain't it. That ain't it, man. You know, Dak's talking about all these young wide receivers he has in Dallas. Dude, you need to win some ball games, bro. And I'm not talking about the regular season ball games. You got to start winning some games in the postseason. For everybody that takes a crap on Aaron Rodgers, he does have a Super Bowl win. He does have three, excuse me, two straight MVPs and four MVPs. I don't know. This dude's got to show up, man. Anthony says that Dak Prescott is more talented than Hurts. Anthony, he is more talented, but he's the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, and Jerry stroked him a check for 45 per. Bro, step up. That ain't it, man. GT, I say the Cowboys got to at least get to an NFC title game, which they haven't in 27 years. Dak has – what has Dak done? Nothing. Nothing. You're paying him on numbers. Can I tell you what I think the biggest issue is with Jalen Hurts? not anything to do with what we're seeing today okay can I tell you what I think the biggest question is on Hertz what is Jalen's actual ceiling because that style is so hard to evaluate look when you're a drop back quarterback You see what that guy is. He's a seven-step guy, and if he's accurate, you know this. Like When you watch Joe Burrow, you immediately knew that he resembles Brady. Resembles in technique, not resume, not results. He resembles. Use that R. Drop back, seven-step, you're in the pocket. Pretty accurate. Brady-ish not resume or results. Got to make sure that somehow I keep underlining that because some idiots take 2% of what I say and go, he's comparing him to Brady. Idiotic. But see, when you see Jalen running around, when a play breaks down or he can't find a guy and he kind of breaks your heart, when it comes to getting first downs, you really don't know what that ceiling is. And by the way, He's terrible at moving to his left. That has to improve. I've been saying that all offseason. He's terrible at it. Has he improved throwing the football, moving to his left? He's not very good at it. You don't think a defensive coordinator is not going to see that and game plan that? You don't think Dan Campbell and the Lions know that? That last year he was terrible moving to his left. Look it up. Then again, watch this. You get Tom Brady, Kurt Warner, any of the great elite passers of the past, Peyton Manning. They have a particular spot that they like to get to. Monty Kiffin used to tell me, you know how you get to these guys? Move them around off their spot. There's a comfort spot that they get into when they're back there. Move them around make him have to move his feet. What made Peyton Manning so great? Remember Peyton Manning would be tapping his feet all the time before he threw the ball? He was always moving his feet. Always moving his feet. Showtime says he works on his arm as ceiling as Russell Wilson. Wow, I I Russell Wilson could see the entire field and move around and make passes all over the field. Jalen Hurts cannot. He is terrible moving to his left. Okay? Did you see what... <laughs> oh, my God, oh, my God. Big Dan's comparing the kid to Tom Brady. Exactly what I said that somebody would say. Congratulations, Andrew. Andrew. You just win the idiotica today award. Awesome. Exactly what I said someone would do. Take 2% of what I said. I didn't say resemble. I didn't say results. Jesus crymeny, guy. You have problems listening. What's up, gaming? Unbelievable. Exactly what I said someone would do, and you fell into it. Unbelievable. Oh my God, he compared, I said, it's a, the way he throws the ball, Burrow. Seven step, Brady's a seven step. It's the comparison. Manning's a seven step. Tannehill's a seven step. That's what Brady does. Do you not know the difference between a sprint out quarterback and a drop back quarterback? Obviously you don't congratulations you just showed me you don't really know much about different styles of quarterbacking holy cow andrew i'm disappointed dog not what i said i hope if andrew's sarcastic i pull it back (laughs) let's get over to the offense Last hour, we talked about the defense, okay? And I asked you if you thought that the Eagle defense would be a top five, top 10. Okay, Andrew, I'm the idiot. Okay, I'm the student. Andrew. Andrew. I'm the student. Let's let Andrew, let's slide it over to the defense here or to the offense, excuse me. How good will the Eagle offense be? Top five, top 10, or decent? Tell me. We agreed that we think that the Philadelphia Eagles defense can be a top 10 defense. How about the offense? Last year, your passing game was 27th. Your running game was number one. Not very good balance. Actually, terrible balance in your offense. Dude, I love you too, Andrew. I'm sorry. Okay. I apologize. Okay? Sales, what is it that Wilson can do that Hurts won't be able to learn to do? He's not accurate like Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's an accurate passer. Always has been. NC State, Wisconsin, and and the pros. Led the NFL in passing touchdowns. Do you truly see a day when Jalen Hurts leads the NFL in touchdown passes? Do you seriously see that day, that he is the single-season touchdown passing leader when it comes to that quarterback? Do you honestly see that? How about this? How about this? Do you see this Eagle offense overall? Because we use that for the defense overall. Okay, being a top ten offense, I guess maybe what I'm asking you is, do you see the do you see the Eagle offense being more balanced this year? Look, guys, I'm gonna make this point to you. Guys, I'm gonna make the point to you guys. Ready? If the Eagles don't have a balanced offense, they're not winning the East, and they're not going far in the postseason. The reason that they couldn't beat the Buccaneers or they couldn't do anything to get out of their own way, they were so one-dimensional, it was frightening. You didn't really have to do much of a game plan against the Philadelphia Eagle offense last year if you had an elite passer. Get a lead on them, stick them in the hole, play good defense, and keep Jalen Hurts third third and long and make them roll left. That's how they beat the Eagles last year, the good teams. That's how they beat them. That's got to improve. Top five, top 10, decent. And as you know, I don't believe decent's going to be enough to win. Name says, play action can change Hurts' outlook absolutely name but the way you change your play action is your short passing game your screen game your slot passing game you know what they you know how they really hurt jalen hurts last year in the passing attack last year you're asking that guy to throw 15 to 25 yard passes every play your percentages are going to be lower Their passing game in the backfield when it came to screens and slot passes was non-existent. You're never going to have a high completion percentage. Brady is a master at that. This guy's won seven Super Bowls dinking and dunking. He had to compromise with Bruce Arians because Bruce Arians' philosophy is no risk it, no biscuit. Well, that resulted in a 5,000-passing yard quarterback with Jameis Winston, 30 touchdowns, but 30 picks. Brady goes, we're not having any of that. Remember when the Bucks were 7-5 the Super Bowl year? They get beat by the Bears, and he's like, we got to change this. And they went on a run and won it. They went on a run and won it. Help help Jalen Hurts out more. By the way, watch this, guys. If they start developing a short passing game and they have three and outs with the defense that they've built on the other side, they're going to be able to weather. And I'm going to say this to you. The defense has to help Jalen early because if you're going to try to become a balanced offense and try to throw the ball more, there's going to be three and outs. You have to win first and second down, man, in my opinion. You have to work, you have to win first and second down last year how many times were they behind the sticks third and long? Will a balanced attack be good enough to sign him to a 45 million dollar a year contract if you make the NFC championship? You know what's funny? GT, thank you very much by the way. GT Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl last year. They didn't sign him to a $45 million a year contract. Why would they sign Jalen to that? Matthew Stafford just signed a $39 million a year deal. He just won the Super Bowl. They didn't sign him to a $45 million a year deal. I mean, personally, too. I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to get forty-five million. I think what Lamar wants is more guaranteed cash. By the way, when you get forty-six point one guaranteed in Cleveland, that's the new benchmark. That's the benchmark for him. A... See, Jalen's a different style of how you're going to have to pay him. Look, when you have Patrick Mahomes, he's a drop back quarterback. You can go ten years with a drop back quarterback. I think the reason in Baltimore why everyone's sitting around trying to t- – I don't think they're trying to figure out how much money to pay him. I think they're trying to figure out length of contract. That's the issue in Baltimore, in my opinion. All right. Hey, man, I'll tell you what. I got I to gotta tell you, man. I want to bring my boy, Lord Brunson, in here, man. He is killing it.
1: <laughs> so, Yo, what's up? You and Jalen are boys now. What's up with that? I mean, I, I, I'm just showing my support, man. Just showing my support for the QB one. That's all.
3: Dude, he's showing support for you, too. It's He is. I appreciate guys, it. Hey, how did you guys form that relationship, dog? So it's not it's
1: not really so much um, Hurts. It's really um, A.J. Brown. Um, A.J. Brown, you know, he reached out to me a couple weeks ago. He wanted uh, a piece of merchandise, the hat that I have on the Hurts Season hat. And um, I was ecstatic. I'm like, bro, how many do you want? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, 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 like you're, you're you're here. You're the wide receiver. How many do you want? So I sent them a box of them, you know. I didn't know he was going to wear it, man, as much as he did, like, on camera. So it was just crazy, man. It just – th- that whole last week for me, like, the start of training camp was just next level, man. I ain't going to even lie. Like, from a fandom, like, business-wise and being a fan, it was just amazing. Tell me – Give, give give us all a little insight
3: then on what type of guy AJ Brown is and is he being unfairly labeled by some people in the media or do, do you like him do you do, do, what get some of the nuances about him cuz hey when you're in Tennessee and you see that moving refrigerator Derrick Henry you know that football teams run behind mm-hmm. that horse
1: so give me a little bit here and tell the fans a little bit about AJ Brown So, you know, A.J. Brown is a really down-to-earth person, you know what I mean? You know, I didn't feel like I was talking to somebody who was, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the league when we spoke briefly. You know, I felt like I was talking to, you know, a 25-year-old young man who's trying to figure it out, you know what I mean? And I've been in that place, so I I think with me is, you know, I'm very relatable to a lot of those guys. It's almost like, you know, I'm like a big cousin, you know, once you get to talking to me, you know. I got 10 years on him, but I'm just relatable, man. He's super relatable, man, you know, very God-fearing man. Um, religious guy, humble guy. You know what I mean. I told him thank you for wearing a hat, and the first thing he told me was, you know, don't thank me. Thank God. I was like, hey, I like to hear it, man. I th- I, th- I thank you and God. You know, you know. So yeah, he's just a cool guy, man. Very cool guy, man. I can't wait to meet him this season.
3: Absolutely. So USA Today came out with some some rankings, and they had their power rankings, and I think they pretty much had their Eagles right where you and I had them at nine. Mm -hmm. and the fourth best team in the nfc i mean there's a lot of hype on this team right now lord i mean you know lb when you look at all the things that have happened the number one thing that i love about this eagle team is that they're going into that lions game and they're going into training camp and they're going in with no noise compared to what they've gone into for the last couple years that's got to be an asset
1: yeah yeah What, what do you mean
3: no noise though There's nothing in the locker room when it comes to quarterback controversy. There's no issues with the coach and the GM. The GM and the head coach are all on the same page. To me, when you don't hear any noise, that's a good thing.
1: I agree, man. You know, going into this season, being able to just worry about football is very, very important for the young guys on this roster. You know, we got some veterans that have been through the noise and that can handle the noise, but you're talking about A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Uh, um, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, these are some young guys who are still moldable and, you know, very impressionable to what could be coming down the pipe. So going into this thing clear-headed with a lot of smiles, everybody's healthy right now, knock on wood. It's the best-case scenario for this young roster. So what do you make of some of the
3: conversation
1: um, when it comes to
3: that Jalen didn't have a good practice the other day? He had a great one the other day,
1: had a not-so-good one. Where are you with so, this? So, Does it matter so, you know, to you? No, it doesn't matter to me because that just lets me know that, you know, he's trying to figure it out. It's a really good defense, Dan. A lot of people not taking that into consideration. So we can say Hertz had a bad practice, but on the other side of the coin, tell me how good the defense was. What did the defense do to make him have such a bad practice if the practice was that bad? Every quarterback in the National Football League is missing throws during training camp. It happens. But this defense is making them work and making them earn it, you know what I mean, in practice. And I think it will be a lot easier for them once the regular season starts. So I'm I'm not buying any stock in the bad practice stuff. Like Trayvon Diggs was just getting burnt up and down the field by a wide receiver I'd never heard of. I'm not going to take any stock into that. You know what I mean? It's practice. It happens. This is what I said about N'Kobe Dean because I heard Barrett talking
3: about how he's kind of struggling a little bit when it comes to fits and him being on the field. And I said this, LB, I go, dude, that's, that's normal. When you go from one system to another system and you're playing and you go from being a leader on the college level like you were at Georgia and you're coming into an NFL level, and like you just said, the linebacking core has been upgraded. They're better this mm-hmm. year. That's got to be one of the more improved positions on the on, on the on the defense. Has been the group of the linebacker play. This Kaiser White, I don't hear shit about this kid, and that's a great thing because that means he's doing his job, mm-hmm. and they really love what he's doing. So he's gonna find his place. And to me, it's gonna be up to the coaching to bring him along. I say he's more of an impact by the end of the year than he is at the beginning of the year. Or do you see him potentially being one of those rotation guys at the beginning of the year?
1: I agree, man. I think it's going to happen somewhere towards the middle of the year once he really understands where he's at. Because this isn't college, man. And a lot of people not talking about TJ Edwards enough, Dan. TJ Edwards is getting better every year. He's having a phenomenal camp as well. And Kaiser White is just, you know, if you look at the tape of Kaiser White, you could say that we got him for a steal. You know what I mean? Kaiser White is a really, really good linebacker. And then you also have Hassan Reddick who's able to play, you know, in some coverage situations on the edge as well. I just honestly, like, I'm a huge N'Kobe Dean fan. But I'd be shocked if he could beat any of those guys out for meaningful playing minutes this early. Like we got, we went from having the worst linebacker room to possibly having the best linebacker room in the division. I know a lot of Dallas fans are going to say, "Well, how do you guys have the best linebacker room?" We got Micah Parsons. That's one guy. As a collective group, I think the Philadelphia Eagles have closed the gap tremendously in this division in terms of linebacker play. Go. How about this, too, LB? I think you bring a great point up here. When I look at the
3: Eagle team, I mean, look, obviously, Lane, Malata, Kelsey, um, Slay. Top three guys, though, in the sport, I don't think the Eagles have it. However, what I do think they have is the best roster in the sport. Them Mm -hmm. and the Bills could have the deepest roster, NFC, AFC, in the NFL, and that traditionally is what wins. And that's what traditionally that carries you far is the war of attrition. You know, they're not going to fall off a cliff if they lose a tackle, offensive tackle, or even a defensive tackle, Mm -hmm. because they're so deep on both sides of the ball. That may just be good enough to get them across the finish line and into a conference championship game. You agree?
1: I agree. As long as it's not a lot of damage taken to the offensive line. The last, you know, shaky practice Jalen Hurts had, we got to remember we had two starting offensive linemen out with concussions. And the offense, everybody was dropping passes, balls were behind people. He was having to relieve the pocket earlier than usual. So I think the offensive line is definitely more important. And when you talk about having top three guys, that's cool if you can have one or two top three guys. But the Philadelphia Eagles have, I want to say, like five top ten guys. And that makes your roster really, really good. we got five top ten guys at their respective positions. And I think that helps a lot with, you know, helping bring some of these younger guys along. Because, you know, still sharp and still, we've been saying that all offseason. You know what I mean? Going up against Slay and Bradbury is really helping Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. I don't think A.J. Brown had to go against two great corners like this. You know what I mean? His 25 years. You know what I mean? Especially at this level. So it's, it's helping everybody having great guys you know, a part of this roster. I said this about the Eagle O-line. I think
3: they got seven guys that could start anywhere in the National Football League in that Mm O-line. I mean, look at a New
0: York... What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
3: And they got seven in Philadelphia. To me, the strength of that football team—they go over to the other side of the ball there too. I mean, this this resembles a lot. Maybe outside of the coaching, it resembles a lot of the 2017 team. Couple more questions here for you. I want to ask you the question that we threw out to everybody else here. Okay, how good will the Eagles' defense be in 2022? Top five, top ten, or just decent in your opinion?
1: I got to say top 10 or higher. You know what I mean? I got to say top 10 or higher. I think this defense is going to be really, really good. It's not going to be a surprise to me. Like, how how bad can you be with the, with the amount of talent that we acquired this offseason? If this defense is not top 10, you have to make a change at defensive coordinator because this is literally a dream come true for any defensive coordinator in the National Football League. If you go to a 3-4 defense, you have so many stars on the field. First of all, Jordan Davis is looking impressive. So that's just, you know, that, that just lets you know that we're going to be able to get some pressure up the middle. When you combine Jordan Davis with Fletcher Cox or Javon Hargrave, whatever combination you want to throw out there, you're going to get meaningful pressure up the middle. Now, when you get meaningful pressure up the middle, quarterbacks have to hurry up and throw the ball. Who are you throwing the ball to? Bradbury or Slay? It's just you have to be good. So it's a lot on the coaches to get this defense there, but the talent is there to be a top 10 defense for sure or higher. I think it's something else
3: too here LB. you know, on third and long, I wouldn't be against putting Jordan Davis on a tackle and lining him up in a defensive end position. I'll tell you why. When you run a 478 at 339 pounds, and you're as athletic as him, I mean, look, maybe you put him on the short side of the field and not have him have the open side of the field, and you have him set okay. the edge, and you put him in a position to be successful, you know, I don't know if I want to put 478 on a nose. I may want to put that guy on an end. Let's see what that guy can do out there because, as you said, he is as athletic of a defensive football player that have come out of college in a long time. His shuttle drills were exceptional. His 40-yard dash was exceptional. This isn't Vince Wolfirk, so to speak. Vince ran a 5-flat-40 when he was at Miami. This guy's running 4-7-8 at 6 6-6-and-a-half, six, six, six 338 pounds. Dude. I, I, I may put this guy on the edge here and see if he can turn himself into a Calais Campbell. He should, you have what I'm saying here, I guess is Jonathan Gannon has the tools to experiment a little bit.
1: I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And and you have to, you have to, you have to have a package for three, four. You have to have a four three package. You have to have a goal line package. You have to have a short yardage package. Like he has to really dive deep into all of his defensive coordinator knowledge and have a package to stop any offense in the National Football League because you have the personnel to do so. If Bill Belichick had a defense like this, the Patriots would probably go to the AFC Championship with Mac Jones. You know what I mean? Like that, you know, you got to get this defense hungry and motivated. And I think that the coaches don't have to do that with the guys we got. Like, you don't need to motivate Hassan Reddick. This is a guy that just had eleven sacks or ten sacks or whatever for the Panthers. You know, he was motivated playing for the Panthers. You don't have to motivate James Bradbury. He just came from New York. They haven't been 505 in five years. You know, you know what I mean. Slade just ready to play. Marcus Epps got a chip on his shoulder, so it's not much motivation needed. It's just all about getting out there and making it fit together at this point.
3: Last question for you here: How good can the Eagle offense be? Top five, top ten, decent. Last year, by the way, number one in rushing, twenty seventh in passing. Um,
1: I'm not. I'm not going to say top five. They would have to show me a, a, an amazing leap in the passing game if you're talking about top five. Like a top five offense can do everything. You know what I mean? You have you have running backs that could catch. You have running backs that could move. I'm going to say I'm going to say decent because if this defense is top ten, does that and mean top fifteen? Is that
3: like top fifteen for you?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 can go between ten to fifteen. I'll say we'll be in that range as far as offense goes. If your offense can upgrade to decent and your defense can be top ten, you win this division easily.
3: See to me, LB, it was it was so unbalanced last year, and they mm-hmm. won because of unbalanced play, and they had to do that because their passing game or what for whatever reason the lack of talent at wide receiver, um, or what have you there outside of Devonte. Um, it, it just was so unbalanced. You think those numbers get more in
1: line this year? Oh yeah, you got you got to pass the ball more. You got to throw the ball more. You got to, You got to put fear in the Heart these defenses. You have to. This is the one thing I think you have to do on the offensive end with the Philadelphia Eagles. You have to establish a dominant screen game with the running backs. We haven't seen much of that, but you know we're in a position right now to where we have to give Miles Sanders, who might be the weakest pass catcher out of our backfield, we have to give him. We have to give him the ball. Like if we don't give him a ball, we're going to be in for. We could have a diva moment on our hands. Yeah. So we got to feed him. The, we could. We really could because he has a huge chip on the shoulder as well. Nobody's disputing how hard Miles Sanders runs. It's just the catching for me. So if we give Jalen Hurts a consistent outlet out the backfield, you know what I mean? We'll be good and we'll take a next step forward in the uh, in the passing game. Kenneth Gainwell was like a crazy stat. I think I told you this before. Um, every time Kenneth Gainwell touched the ball, I think like forty percent of the time it was either a touchdown or a first down. Miles Sanders got to get that productive. You know what I mean? Finally, does Jalen Rager make the fifty-three man roster
3: in September? It's so tough. I mean, he's had a la- He's had a good couple of days. Yeah, you know what I'm hearing? I'm hearing that he's had a pretty decent camp.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had a good couple of days, and you know, he's also going against those guys. I think. I think he has to. He has to make the roster, man. If he doesn't make the roster, who's it going to be? No, no. I, I I
3: agree, and I and I think there's no. Yeah, problems- yeah. I think they're going to be limited there too. I think they're going to keep more linebackers this year because mm-hmm. you can utilize those linebackers. And because of the addition of Nicole Dean, I think you're going to use them in special teams. I think they're only going to keep five wide receivers this year, in my opinion. I think, I think so too. To
1: five. This is another thing I was thinking about. I think you got to kind of, you know, um, you got to kind of experiment with Jalen Rager, in my opinion, if you want to extend his stay in the National Football League. I looked at a lot of tape on Ty Montgomery. Now he can't tackle like Ty Montgomery, but Ty Montgomery can catch and run a ball. I'm I'm kind of interested in seeing what Jalen Rager can do at, at the running back position. I think he's like a key candidate for one of those wide receivers to kind of be converted to a, uh, what, what is it, a wide back. So <laughs> or you're or like the you like jet it.
3: sweeps they do with Debo Samuel and stuff like that? Right.
1: Right, right, right. Once he has the ball in his hand, he has the vision. I think it's more of the route running and, and you know, kind of, you know, forgetting where he is. But I think it's some potential there for him to be a ball carrier for the Philadelphia Eagles. With that behind that offensive line, I think it could work.
3: Hey, man, you're killing it, man. And I'm very proud of you, man. You keep on. I appreciate the day's you, work, Dan. Man, and I mean, You're killing it there, man. You and my boy, Philly 500, I love you guys, man. You guys are wonderful and keep working at your craft. You guys are getting better and better each and every single week. I appreciate you coming and doing this and finding Mm -hmm. time for me, man. A way to make a name for yourself. Way to go, LB. Thank you, man. That that means a lot coming from you, so. Got it, man. I think you're doing great. Thank you so much, LB. Continue to success there, man. Love that guy. I love to see people getting ahead when it comes to broadcasting there, too. It's awesome. Hey, do me a favor, my friends. Please hit the like button. Don't forget, my friends at Morgan & Morgan, where the fee is free, meaning this, if you're hurt or injured on the job, know this, finding an attorney, if you've been hurt or injured on the job, is one of the most important things that you could possibly do for you and your family. That's right. Hey, the slogan that some people think is just a slogan for the people, it's not. It's who they are. For the past 30 years, they've collected over $13.5 billion. You heard it right with a B. For their clients, no such thing as a fender bender or a small case at Morgan & Morgan. All 800 attorneys and offices in Philadelphia, New York, and in Florida, my friends, you're going with the top attorney firm in the country and the biggest. Call them at 800-512-1600. That's 800-512-1600. The call is free. The consultation's free. 800-512-1600. And when you call them, do me a favor. Tell them Dan Cilio sent you.
5: Many times when people are injured at a place of business, they don't realize they may have a case. The fact is, injuries should not happen. And most of the time when someone is injured, someone is at fault. Maybe the store manager installed a cheap, slippery floor, or there wasn't proper security. After an injury at a hotel, restaurant, store, or any place of business, it's so important to call us. Time matters, size matters. Morgan & Morgan, for the people dot com.
2: On a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV, now you can watch six ABC twenty four seven with the six ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story and action. You- Search six ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today.
6: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Go free. One two three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
7: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. <laughs> Holy shit. The glass Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. so good, it just disappears.
3: And hurt 37 touchdown passes (laughs) holy cow man i'll wear a golden thong if he throws for 37 touchdowns are you out of your mind man yeah by the way you can you can quote that if you want 37 touchdowns that means he leads the nfl in passing tds this year he's gonna go from 16 to 37 I'll wear, I'll wear Jason Giambi's thong. Used. (laughs) My God, man. (laughs) Holy cow, man. Oh, by the way, man, I I don't know what's happening in Philly, but Daniel Murphy from the inquire wrote an article here. And I'm going to paraphrase this. You ready? Jalen Hurts' poor practice performance worries the Eagles on a regression in 2022. What? That's the headline in the Inquirer? That's the headline in the Inquirer? Danko Sills. Hey, that's okay. Smart minds and filthy minds think alike, Dank. I don't know if it's smart minds. It may be filthy minds. So Daniel Murphy's now questioning whether or not Jalen Hurts is practicing well. Look, I'm going to tell you guys one more time. Practicing time? You're going to gauge a guy and how well he plays. In practice, this guy is under a lot of heat, man. So if this guy doesn't look good in practice, you guys think he sucks? Even I don't think that. Even I would never say I, I wouldn't. So you can't. I, I, doesn't the Philly Riders have anything better to do than to cover a practice that. And whether or not the quarterback is, I mean, do you honestly think you can read tea leaves from a guy throwing in drills? Really? You think you can do that, man? Then again, man, I don't know. I, I you know, I have to somehow gather myself here and get over this practice issue. Rich McKay was on with us in the first hour. The CEO of the uh, Falcons was saying, hey, Sills, it's a different NFL. And I'm I'm still trying to dissect that. Okay? Joseph, I am not going to gauge Jalen Hurts' 2022 season on a couple flutter passes in practice. That's idiotic. Who in the right mind would say that? Now, maybe what you're trying to do, hey, wait a minute, I got to think like Xander. Hey, Sills, does it get clicks? Yeah. Oh, Jalen Hurts struggled in practice. Now I'm getting it. I got it. Xander, Xander, I have to think like Xander now. Okay, I have to write sensational headlines. Now I get it. Okay, okay. Jalen Hurt sucks because he had a bad practice yesterday. Film at six. Hey, go to Jacob Media to watch Jalen suck in practice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, hey, J- hey, no, no, no. No, he's right, though. Sills, media people are different today. So is practice time. Jalen Hurts and what he does in a controlled scrimmage, maybe a little bit. If he doesn't look good in a controlled scrimmage, maybe, yeah, maybe, okay. But throwing around in helmets and shorts, I'm not going to sit here and gauge the kid. Okay, I'm not. You know, again, I I think the real true story about Hurts. Here, watch this. When 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 you are talking about a guy like What do you think the ceiling is for Joe Burrow? What do you think the ceiling is for a guy like Joe Burrow? I want to I want to see how smart some of you are. Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Let's just use those two. How about this? Who has a better chance to win a Super Bowl? Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, or Jalen Hurts? You know what? I'm going to take Burrow out of that because he's already gone to a Super Bowl. Why don't we do this? Who has a better chance to win a Super Bowl? Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, or Jalen Hurts? Of those four, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, who wins the Super Bowl out of those four guys? hurts i love your passion gt hurts all four are good so you put jalen hurts i put him in here it's my issue i did so jalen hurts who wins the super bowl first out of those four Josh Allen. Josh, three have a chance. (laughs) 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 Hurts. Don't compare Hurts to them, please. No, I didn't compare. I asked you who you thought would win a Super Bowl out of these four. I love Lamar Jackson. I love Lamar Jackson, man. I don't understand how you can be unfair to a quarterback that has only started one legitimate year as a starting quarterback. You mean like Joe Burrow? Am I being unfair to Joe Burrow? Am I being unfair to him? Hmm. Well, Tom Brady had one year starting and he won a Super Bowl. Hmm. Dan Marino started one year and went to a Super Bowl. See. Who else? Peyton Manning, uh, that's third year. Hmm. Uh, Mahomes was an MVP in his first year. Good point. (laughs) I mean, These quarterbacks that are coming out of college today, they're not these five-year guys where you look down the road in five years. These guys are excelling right away. And you're seeing if they're not good enough right away. Dude, Sam Darnold, he stunk. You knew it. You saw it. You were like, that guy's not it. Baker Mayfield, they tolerated it. And to Baker Mayfield's credit, he did take an 0-16 team over. You know, You could say all you want about Baker. He's not elite. I get that. And he probably shouldn't have been the number one player taken overall. But he did take an 0-16 team over and change the culture in Cleveland. Okay? Hertz would beat the brakes off of Joe Burrow this year if they played. Philly Eagle, I gotta do this again. 848. Hertz would beat the brakes off of Joe Burrow this year if they played. You mean with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow and that revamped O line? Joe Burrow would throw for 450 yards and five touchdowns against the Eagles. <laughs> uh, remember when they played each other in college? Oh! What happened? Oh, OU. Was that OULSU? Was that OULSU when he beat the snot bubbles out of him? Don't tell me that was did Burrow beat that Oklahoma team? Did they beat that Oklahoma team in the submission? 6328. Ow! Ooh. Holy cow, I fell on something. Man, hang on, my tailbone hurts. Look out. <laughs> Burrow put 63 points on that OU team. Good night. Over. Burrow threw for seven touchdowns and 497 yards. Oh, man. Hey, wait, was Justin Jefferson Hurts had 217 in an INT. That's my boy um Ed Ogeron putting his defensive guys on him. Holy cow, man. Burrow had seven touchdowns against the greatness of Lincoln Riley. <laughs> oh my God. I forgot. Hey, was Justin Jefferson on that LSU team? Holy Jesus, oh man. Boozer, No, I'm I'm, I'm not shit. I'm shitting on OU. Jefferson had four touchdowns? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Holy shit. Wait a minute. Xander goes, he had 14 catches, 227, and four touchdowns. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. But well, Hey, man, if I was Jalen, I'd want another crack at him, too, after that. <laughs> I got my ass kicked on national television like that. Woo, dog. Holy cow! I still got spanking marks on my ass from that one. You're a hater's not a just – dude. Hold on. Look at look at what all around auto service guy's saying here. He's saying it's hating, hating seven touchdowns, four ninety seven, and the receiver had fourteen catches for four TDs and two twenty seven. And I got a dude saying Jalen would run Burrow off the field. And Burrow's got just the kind of the same kind of offensive personnel in Cincinnati now that he had when he was at LSU. Nothing's changed. He's still the same guy. Can you imagine this on Joe Burrow? So Joe Burrow inside of three years has won a national title, has won the Heisman, won an AFC championship, and was a, was a quarter and a half away from winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're right. Right. <laughs> Hertz and Burrow are close. (laughs) Hey, wait a minute here. Know this. It's Cincinnati. We're not talking about the Patriots here. It's Cincinnati. They suck out loud every year. You're always highlighting bad games. I didn't highlight it. Look at this guy. This guy thought I brought that up. I didn't bring that up. I had a guy tell me that Hurts was going to run circles around. I didn't bring that game up. I didn't even know the stats in the game. Said Blame Xander. <laughs> turned into Dan talking shit. As um, how did you brought this on? Hey, know this. When you say something, you better have receipts or it will be turned on. Hey, <laughs> Hey, I'm going to help you guys out on something here. When you talk shit, you better have receipts. And get this, you can't just keep going back to hating. I didn't bring it up. You did. Joe Burrow, 500 yards and seven touchdowns. Yeah, you're right. Hey, Dan, who would you put your money on to have a better season, Josh Daniels or Nick Sirianni? (laughs) You mean Josh McDaniels? In Los Angeles or excuse me, in uh Las Vegas? They looked awful organized last night, didn't they? They looked pretty good last night. Burrow's going to lose two of his first five games. Uh, he could be right there. Have you seen that schedule? He could be right there. <laughs> he could be. Hurt luscious. Hertz will win the MVP this year, bro. Just accept it. It's happening. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my God. Hertz can improve. His book isn't written. (laughs) This is great. Oh, my God. Man, look at this. The NFL's in good hands with these quarterbacks. They sure are picking. Why are you comparing a polished passer to one that isn't fully developed? Joe Burrow, this is going on his third year, really his second year. He missed the second year, second half of it with an injury. You're making it sound like Burrow's played 10 years. Polished? It's Cincinnati. I think McDaniel – hey, the only reason that I think Sirianni may have a better year – dude, he's in the AFC West, Josh McDaniel. You can finish fourth in that division and maybe win 11, 12 games. (laughs) Okay, I mean – Dude, you got the Chargers. You got the Broncos. Look at the quarterbacks in the AFC West. So I'm going to say Sirianni probably has a better year. Just, just because the Eagle schedule is nothing near what you're going to have to play. You got to play all them teams twice in the AFC West? I don't know, man. Shit, you know what? You could actually probably be 10-7 and seven and be one of the better teams in the NFL and finish last in the AFC West. Joe Burrow had T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd. Doesn't that mean anything? (laughs) And what happened to the guys that were when those guys were there? And it's Cincinnati. It's Cincinnati. I mean, the Jets are worse. I get it. But then it's Cincinnati. You guys are making it sound like, hey, this Bengals, you know, you know, they got a franchise that's, you know. Dude, it's Cincinnati. (laughs) What was Cincinnati's record before? Hey, will somebody do me a favor, please? What was Cincinnati's record before Joe Burrow showed up? Joe Burrow played six years in college. Yeah, and Jalen Hurts got beat out by a freshman at Alabama. How does the SEC player of the year get his ass beat out? got beat out. He was beat out by Tua. Had a transfer because he lost his gig. Okay? At least when Joe Burrow lost his gig to Justin Fields and Dwayne Haskins, he did go on and win a national title and a Heisman. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> Give Hurts the same energy. He has only played one full season. Yeah, so did Patrick Mahomes, but it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Seals name hurts his wide receivers last yardage name. Burrow's wide receivers last game. Why did you draft Devontae Smith? I told you you drafted the wrong dude. Devontae Smith is on the Packers. He's 1,500 yards. Seals, if you were an elite quarterback looking for a new team, would you consider the Eagles? Absolutely, Jesse. Oh my God, yeah. Are you kidding me? Eagles got a fabulous roster. If I'm a if I'm a quarterback that doesn't like where I'm at, wink wink Joe Burrow. And you gave me this roster here, I'd I'd like to have another back. I don't like Miles Sanders. Jeff, great interview with Rich McKay, Dan. Great questions, great answers, good info from the source. Only from Big Sales National Football Show. That's really cool. Thank you very much. I can promise you this, Jeff. You don't catch Rich McKay doing a lot of interviews. He, 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 he doesn't. Okay. He he doesn't trust a lot of people. Okay. And I think he's going to be the next commissioner of the National Football League down the line. I love Miles Sanders. If he could stay healthy, Daz. I think Miles Sanders is exceptionally talented, but I'm with you. Health, and he can't catch the football. Okay? He's not very good in a screen game, and that kid needs the screen game. Shit, Don Brady needs a screen game. All right, hour three. Do me a favor. Please hit the like button. Here on a football Friday. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
2: stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24/7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story And that can you search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today.
6: Of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. 1, 2, 3. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
7: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. <laughs> Holy shit! Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. So good, it just disappears.
3: was 3 National Football Show. It's your boy, Big Sills, and I got to say this to you. I'm not going to make any excuses up on why I did not last long in the NFL, even though I was what in today's terms would be a second-round draft choice. In today's NFL, 56-player taken. I'm not going to make I, – I, I did a lot of the undoing. But to hear the former general manager – Xander, I know you heard it. But to hear the former general manager of the team at the time, Rich McKay, admit when they brought me in, you know, bringing a one-gap one guy in to two-gap, like yourself, was not the best thing in the world, was it? And when I heard Rich say that, I can't believe he remembered after all these years. He used to go and battle with the coaches, going, Why are you playing him at nose? He's a, three, he's a three technique defensive tackle. He's a one gap guy, up the field, penetration, get in the backfield, make plays. I ran a 4 8 at 288 pounds. Back then, that was heavy. I was like 290. And I ran four eights. Jerome was the guy next to me. He ran four eights. And you're putting me as a slow... That's why I'm talking... I'm I'm, going to get to why I'm making this point here because of Jordan Davis as well. I really love the fact that the former general manager, who's now the CEO of the Falcons and chairman of the NFL Competition Committee, said that today. I never heard Rich say that. He basically admitted they made a mistake how they used me. And it happens in so many places. That's why I'm telling you guys about coaching. How important it is for Jalen to have Nick Sirianni and the offensive coaching staff make sure they're giving him the very best coaching that they possibly can. And also to make sure that these defensive guys are getting the very best coaching that they possibly can get. Because, man, if you have a shitty coach putting you in positions to fail, bro, that's exactly how the whole thing unravels. Damn. It's an honor to hear Ritz say that. Nobody from that Buck organization ever admitted it, but they didn't use me right. And I um, have to thank him so much for making that comment. Brian says, Hey, Dan, you do have the best show on the internet. You interact with the Eagles faithful. It give me a ton of crap though, but I love it. Here's flex. How we can afford to go all in on a quarterback in the 23 draft. If hurts flops, the offense is already made. A top flight guy. He it really is. Flex, the, the team, like John McMullen's been saying this for the last couple months that he believes that this football team has been made for um uh for someone else. Here's my here, Xander and I love this guy. Thank you, Joseph. Really cool of you to do that. Sills, you are an awesome player. Show sucks, though. Keep up the good <laughs> <laughs> Xander, these Philly dudes, man, these football fans and Philly dudes, man, you guys are out of your mind <laughs> and fun and a lot of fun, man. Hey, man. Hey, all around auto service, dude, what I, he and I just got through bitching at, dude. All around auto service and sales guy, dude, I love you, man. I you know what you remind me so much of my boys back east giving each other a ton of shit and we just have a bunch of fun going dude you know what it also reminds me of an NFL this reminds me i'll I'll tell you guys something this reminds me of an NFL locker room we just talk shit to one another all day long and you know we welcome some in some we don't you know some don't get it some do. It's really cool man. It really is. It's very cool. I love it. (laughs) My my, hey, just so you know, my aunt goes. God, these guys are really tough on you, man. These guys really. Hey, by the way, I got the big sales top ten power rankings. I'm gonna. I saw you know I I I took it from USA today. I got a different top ten. So. Hey man, hey, all around auto service. Don't go soft on us though. (laughs) Hey. Hey, dude, don't go soft, because you know, you know what, you know what happens? Because Xander does this too. Yeah, so okay, good show. What do you want me to do, guy? Here's Xander. So he goes, What do you want me to tell you? It was a good show? Jesus criminally. Do you really need to be stroked like that? Good night. What the hell's wrong with you, guy? What are you? Seriously. You know, I can buy you a purse if you want. I'm like, Jesus Criminy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. It's funny. Calls me Mr. Sensitive. (laughs) Hey, man. You know too, brother. It's all good, man. (laughs) Hey, but that's it, man. Get this. You know the coolest thing about my locker room at the University of Miami was, guys? And get this. See, I'm going to tell you guys a secret and promise me. Swear to God you guys won't say this to anybody else. Okay? You guys can talk shit on me. But don't ever let anybody else talk shit on me. Okay? Don't. Because that was our team. Our teammates could talk shit on one another, but if you start talking shit on some of the guys in the room, I'd be like this. Hey, you know, don't don't do that. Don't do that. I go to 4 to 6 home games a year. I have to admit, they scheme the wide receivers open for hurts, but doesn't hit them. It's different when you're there. Yeah, you know, and, and Flex, Here, here's the deal. I think the coaches have to figure out ways that Jalen sees them open more. Help them. And get that short screen game going. Lift your game, Sils. I'm doing my best. Hey, big secret. Thanks, Steve. I think helping more, man. I didn't really think that that was a very good offensive approach last year. I mean, you're, what was it? The Gainwell had 30 catches or something like that? That's really low, man. Okay. Dan Silio inducted into the Eagles Hall of Fame. Fans. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Fans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you my top 10 here in a minute, okay? As I said in hour number one, I can't wait to see Dick Vermeil getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Got us is- to speak on Saturday, by the way. Brian, awesome, man. Thank you so much. I wish they would, you know, I, I do you guys like the fact that they move the Hall of Fame game and first they have the Hall of Fame game and then they have the induction? I think tonight is the gold jacket ceremony. I think for meal and all them guys get their gold jackets tonight. Yeah, they gotta get play action going, bro. Okay? They gotta get play action going. They here, I'll tell you what, against the Lions, man, they gotta hey, run against them. Run the ball against them. Just run the ball. Don't come out of who you are right away. And if they start stopping it, okay, then you've got to start going to – dude, just tell Jalen, throw the ball. So what? Your defense is improved. So what if you have a couple three-and-outs? Be patient. I don't know Sirianni and the offensive coaches are going to be patient enough with A.J. Green – or A.J. Green, I don't know why I keep saying – A.J. Brown. I don't know if they're going to be patient because he is – You know, he's enticing to try to get the ball to. He is really enticing to try to get the ball to. Right? Who cares? Football's back. Dude, I watched four quarters of absolutely horrible football last night. Uh, Even with the rain delay, I know, man. Andrew says, Dan... You and I know that Hurts not seeing open receivers has been Jalen's problem since day one at Alabama. Just ask Saban. Andrew, Andrew, that is such a problem, though. That means, because to me, that comes to processing the information. How can you work on your accuracy when you don't know where to throw the ball? You feel me? If, if you don't if you drop back and you're not knowing where to go with the ball, how can you be accurate? You see, that's what Brady has. Brady's and, – and, and by the way, when I say that, I am in no way saying that Jalen Hurts is not an intellect and he's not smart. Please don't go down that line. That's not what I'm saying. I think he – for what he did, learning the Bama system and then learning Lincoln-Riley system, learning Doug Peterson's system and then learning Sirianni's system – You got to be awful intelligent to understand it. That is really hard to do, but I'm talking processing it. Brady knows where to go with the ball 80% of the time when he lines up at the line of scrimmage. Okay. And and get this, I'll tell you something that I think he does. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you a great, I'll give you a great tip that I was given by Deacon Jones. I was in college, and Jimmy Johnson, do you guys know who Deacon Jones is? Let's see what Flex wrote here. Flex, I appreciate it, man. How he did it smart. Denver had already made team just no quarterback. Oh okay. That's a good comparison, Flex. That's a really good comparison. That's a really good comparison. You're right. They had Drew Locke up there, Flex, right? They had Drew Locke, no quarterback, right? Seals, you need a strong drink tonight. Dude, Coronas are all I go with. Yeah, my daughter's got a couple of those really weirdo drinks from her party from last week. They give me agita, and, you know, they're not good for me, too. They kind of upset my stomach, you know, because they got too much dye in it, and things happen to big Seals, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, it's not good, you know? you know, I'm there, you know, so I like to keep it simple. <laughs> so you guys know who Deacon is. Deacon Jones told me something years ago. And he, t- he came down and Jimmy had him talking to us. And Jimmy, Jimmy said, Deacon, give these guys some advice. So Deacon Jones goes like this to me. Practice your first three pass rush moves that you're going to use versus this opponent. All through the week. Pick and find his weakness. That takes great study film. So you're forced to watch film on what a guy does. He's got a weak inside step. You can get around him on the inside. You can get around him on the outside. A spin move works great on him. And Deacon used to go like this. It takes a lot of study work, but practice your first three pass rush moves and do that. Sure enough, man, I start practicing my first three pass rush moves, and it was such a major factor. I had a game plan going in against this particular guy because I knew his strengths and weaknesses because I had watched every single play that he had played all season long. Good games, bad games, things he did well, things I wanted to stay away from. And I had an understanding of the game. Tom Brady does that with corners, safeties. Think about it. Corners, safeties, defensive linemen, defensive ends. And he processes all that information, watching every single position on the field, on a guy's strength and weaknesses. He's not going to throw the ball to Dion's side of the field. Why would he play the averages? He's not going to throw the ball over to Darrell Revers' side of the football field. Why would he? He's going to find the weakest link on the football field, and he's going to attack that guy. And I'm going to tell you something about your Eagle defense. Do you know who you attack on the Eagle defense? The new guy's. Attack James Bradbury. You really think fundamentally he knows what's being asked to him and the Jonathan Gannon defense? Fletcher Cox didn't last year. But all of a sudden, you think James Bradbury is some savant? He's going to step into the Philadelphia Eagle defense and he's going to understand immediately all the nuances to play in that soft cover coverage that they played last year or if they're going to play press coverage this year, something they did in a year ago. Brady's going to find the weakest link. Um, Jimmy Johnson told me this. This is this is the philosophy of of Bill Part- Bill Belichick and how he attacked teams. Bill's not going to – he's not going to go like this. Well, we run the ball, that's our strength. Or we pass the ball or we hit the tight end, that's our strength. That's why if you notice the Belichick team every week, they were like chameleons. One week they'd run it, one week they hit the tight end, another week they would go to wide receivers. And every week they were different, so you couldn't really game plan a Patriot team with Brady. That would, That's what made them so difficult to game plan against. You didn't know what they were going to do, but they had versatility on their roster. Same kind of thing that the Eagles had. They have a lot of versatility on that. Is Gannon and a savant enough of a defensive-minded guy to be able to utilize all the pieces he has? I don't know that. Are they going to get all the proper coaching? But Parcells and Belichick told Jimmy Johnson this. Dude, they don't like watch this. Do you know how they would game plan the Philadelphia Eagles? Say the say the Patriots with Brady. How do you think Belichick would game plan the Eagles? What do you what, what would be the game plan? They would go after the weakest guy on the defense. And who do you think the weakest guy is on the defense? Safeties? The new linebackers? It's not because they're not good, it's because they're new. New guys and rookies how many times you see Brady attack that corner goes down he goes there he's not gonna go against Jalen Ramsey why would he why would he threaten Jalen Ramsey and play 50-50 football with Jalen Ramsey why would he he plays percentages but because he knows the game and he sees the game he knows where to go with the game Jalen's got to figure out just being accurate first Okay, I mean, when I attack the Eagles, I'm attacking James Bradbury. Everyone says, well, he's really a great player. Two years ago when he was with the Gi- Okay, got into a contract, squabble with the new general manager. They didn't want to pay him. They let him walk, and he's in the division. That's not cool for the Giants, great for the Eagles. Still, he's a new guy. You attack new guys, not because they're bad, because he's a new guy. Me, personally, with this offense of talent, if Hertz doesn't throw for 4K 30 touchdowns, he won't be the quarterback. Throwing for 30 touchdowns and 4K? Man, you're asking an awful lot of a kid who threw, and I please, thank you, Flex, who threw for 3,100 yards and 16 touchdowns. Man, that's a massive increase. 14 touchdown passes, Okay. A thousand yards in reception, a thousand yards in passing yards. Man, that's a lot. That's a lot. Okay, I mean, you really, if you, if if, if you're attacking the Eagle D, hey, get this too. Even AJ Brown, AJ Brown's got the advantages because he's on offense. AJ's learning the Eagle offense as well. Look at how many people are still learning Eagle offense. Devontae. It's funny. People keep saying that the Eagles are in their same second year of the same offense. No, you're not. You're not in the second year of the same offense. You're in the second year of the same coaching staff. You mean stop saying same offense. Cause that's not the offense that they want that they ran in the second half. So it's going to be, Jalen Hurts is going to have a new offense this year for the third straight year. Why are you saying he's having the same offense? Now, you mean the same coaches, okay? Fair. But Jalen Hurts doesn't have the same offense. It's not. Where are you getting that from? There were two completely different offenses last year. And I don't want the one that they won all their games with. Isn't that crazy? I want the one that they were two and five in. Let me hit more on that here. I got to get the flex. The talent upgrade around him. I don't care if we're asking a lot this. The NFL, either you're the guy or you're not. Bro, it took four games and we knew it. Flex, you're dead on. But isn't it crazy? John, it's not the same system. John, it's not the same system. When they were 2-5, and they were throwing the ball. When they finished the season and won games, they ran it. They were 27th in passing. What same system? You know what's crazy, John? The Eagles want the system that failed last year more than they want the system that won for them last year. Try to swallow that. They want that system that they started the season out with more successful. with the addition of A.J. Brown, with the next year of Devonte Smith. They want that system, not the one they finished the year with, and one game. With. Okay. Eagles have never really had a prolific passing game. Let's be honest. Chief, you're right. Well, I would say the T.O. year. Chief, I would say the T.O. year, you guys had a prolific offense. The guy did have 1,400 yards in like, a, what was it, 12 games or some shit? Dude, he had a great year that year, Okay. Yeah, okay, Luscious, if you want to call it that, I say same coaches, a different system. I don't think it's the same. I think it's different. I think it's the same coaches. That's the only thing that's going to look the same from a year ago, in my opinion. Brian says, Hey, damn, what scares me is AJ Brown is not a top 10 wide receiver. Should I be Brian, you mean you mean that AJ Brown is not a top 10 wide receiver in statistics? A.J. Brown on third down, in my opinion, he's a beast. Red zone touchdown passes, he's a beast. Jump balls and short yardage, I'm taking him nine times out of ten. He's going to be effective in your red zone. The Eagles were good last year going 20-20 to 20 in the second half of the year. And once you got down in the red zone, Jalen was not proficient enough as a passer yet to be balanced in that – the hey, the red zone, that's a tough place to score. Because always remember something. There's another defender on the field. You're playing against 12 defenders. See, people don't understand why the red zone so difficult. You're playing against 12 people. Can somebody tell me what the 12th man is out there? Do you know what the 12th man is when you're inside the red zone? Do you have an idea what I'm talking about when I say there's a 12th man? You're playing against 12 people. When you're in a red zone see this is common sense here that a lot of people don't realize that's right john you're playing against the back line you're limited in your playbook on what you can throw at defenses because you're playing against a 12th man the boundaries that's correct guys you got it not the ref luscious you're playing against a limited passing area flex says if we had joe burrow or herbert The convo would be, how many Super Bowls can we win in five years? Not can we win a division. It's an insult to Hertz. Well, Flex, Hertz is not in Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert's league. This guy's got, this guy's still, they're still figuring out if he's an NFL quarterback or not. Those two guys are solid. Hey, and by the way, Flex, let me say this to you. Flex, you know what the next conversation is on Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert? Whether or not you're going to pay him $450 million or $500 million. Not whether or not he's the starting quarterback in 2023. Those two guys are going to be talking about $500 million deals, their next conversation with their team. The next conversation that Jalen has with his team is going to be whether or not they believe in him and buy into him And they don't go into the 2023 draft trying to draft a quarterback. Those guys' futures are already set. Joe Burrow's going to command $500 million north of that maybe. Jalen Hurts has got to have a conversation whether or not he's the guy moving forward. Hurts is in a prove-it year. Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are not. They're not in a prove-it year. They're not. Sidelines, too, a little bit there, Dylan. I'd say that sideline, backline. Red zone's difficult because your playbook shrinks. I I don't think people understand, too, also. You got to remember something. And why I'm always telling you guys about why Jalen has to be third and short on third down if he wants to have a successful season and throw for 4,200 yards this year. How many times do you watch Tom Brady third and four, third and five? third and four, his playbook is wide open. When you're third and nine the entire time, 17% of the time you'll complete the third down pass for first down. Do you know that? If you're third and four, there's a 37% chance that you're going to complete the pass for first down. The closer you are to first down on third down, the more your percentages rise. If you're third and two, got an 80% chance chance of completing a first down if you're third and five you got a 50 percent if you're third and seven to nine you got a 17 percent chance of complete these are all stats that used to be given to defensive guys on what teams did and they're called trends we would always try to keep a certain team now look when you got Patrick Mahomes those stats are a little bit jaded because you know why that guy no lead is safe man that guy could be up or down 21 points, you gotta play that guy 60 minutes of ball because he's there. Stats don't matter with a dude like that. He's just a freak show. Same thing with Josh Allen. There's certain guys that those stats don't don't mind, you know, and you're just like, shit, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. Hey Dan, man to man, is the NFL like WWE? No, it's not rigged. We don't know the ending. Okay. Who the hell called the Eagles racist? NFL doesn't. Nobody cares about black or white. You know what they care about? Winning. Who gives a shit what the color of your quarterback is? Okay? Who cares? Dude, here, here's what I'll always tell you. You don't really think that coaches have a board up that says, here's my black players, here's my white players. Let's make sure we have equal white and black players. If that's the case, uh, please let me know because I would not want to be or covering anything like that. I tell you, one of the greatest things about pro football and football in general. You've got so much diversity in it that black and white never affected me. Was there times when I was the only white guy on the D-line? Yeah. But I never looked at it like that. Never affected me ever. <laughs> ever. So I, I'm a bad example of that. I got a picture when I played in the World League. Every D-lineman was black except me. And they I look over and they go, silly old Jerome's right, man. White guys don't run that fast. Those Italian guys, you got to be a brother. (laughs) Uh, Funny, man. Hey, listen. We are going to hit on my top 10 NFL teams. I I took this from USA Today. They had a different top five. I've got a – excuse me. I have a top – well, they had a different – they did all 32 teams. I'm not doing all 32 teams. I got a top 10. The Big Seals power rankings, top 10. I want to do that. Please hit the like button. I love football Fridays, man. Next week, we got Jets too. Holy cow. It's it's football week next week, right? Actually, it was football week here. We'll talk a little bit about, by the way, we didn't hit on uh, Doug Peterson last night in his Jaguars and also Josh McDaniel in the Raiders last night in the Hall of Fame game. I want to hit on that a little bit as well. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
2: on a roku fire stick android tv or apple tv now you can watch 6abc 24 7 with the 6abc philadelphia streaming app the big story
5: on that can you- <laughs>
2: search 6abc philadelphia and start streaming today.
6: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. One, two, because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
7: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half. You could say that. <laughs> Holy shit. The glass Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. So good, it just disappears.
3: National Football Show, it's your boy Big Sills. I want to show you guys something, and Xander, you're going to love this, and everyone else is as well. Ready? Just to show you the kind of – by the way, I'm not a reporter, so don't ever get that confused. But my relationship with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers – was so bad. They helped get me fired in Tampa. I, I said something stupid on the air. Man, they just blew that thing out. It was a way to get me out of the building, even though I was killing it in ratings. And they've tried everything they can do to hurt my my reputation and my, re- and my name and all that. And they've done a pretty good job of it. However, I want to show you what hard work and being fair and having a guy like Bruce Arians in the building and having someone like that speak for me. Derek Brooks spoke for me. I've spoken to Joel and Brian Glazier. I want to show you guys something. Please hit the like button, guys. Thank you very much, Sidney. So I got this today. I've been invited. <laughs> Look at this. You're invited. Okay, I got an email today from the Buccaneers. Let me read it to you. Dear Dan, we've received your RSVP for Legends Day. I'm a Buccaneer legend? (laughs) Okay. To see Tom Brady and the rest of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as we prepare for the season, please see below for some helpful reminders before getting to open practice at the Advent Health Training Center. <clears throat> Hotel accommodations and airfare um, have been provided. Please let us know if you need anything. Sincerely to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks want me to come down, and I think there's like 20 of us. They want me to come down and talk to Tom Brady. But the Eagles, on the other hand, pass out press credentials like you're passing out Willy Wonka's golden tickets. Think of that. You can't go and watch Eagle practice to cover it like a true reporter unless you're um, a guy who is going to only talk kindly about the GM, the coach, or the team. But you know what? For that matter, right now on August 5th, there's no reason to talk shit on the team. They're really not. I mean, you know, they're not doing anything wrong. They've actually had a really good offseason. Okay. So there's, you know, I mean, to sit around and bang on them and just, you know, but the conversation that I have about Jalen Hurts and stuff, oh my God, that wouldn't, it's not going to go over. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's not going to roll. So, I mean, I, I hear people who are some of the most respected guys in Philadelphia media can't get passes because they may have written a story or said something that pissed them off. Can you imagine that? A professional football team is controlling the narrative of how you look at them by handing out press credentials. Wow. Fairness balanced coverage, when it comes to that team, you'll never get it unless you come to Jacob and you'll get it for the bucks to do that they know me if i see something stupid i'm not going to i'm i'm smarter today on it i'm not going to blast them like i used to i learned not to be personal okay i'm i'm, I'm just I'm, i don't do that you're learning Sills? god i hope <laughs> yeah Okay. God, I hope. Sills, are you going? Yeah. Like, 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 like Xander says. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, you know I, know. I don't know. You know. I don't know. They did invite my kid and my wife down. Sills, would bring your wife and kid down, yeah, You know. You know. Yeah, Tom Brady wants to meet you. You know, it's like when I was getting recruited by Syracuse. I may have told you this story before. I was recruited by Syracuse, right? This guy Norm Gerber. I think it was for Dick McPherson, who was the head coach at Syracuse at the time. And Syracuse used to recruit our area really heavily, right? Boston College and Syracuse. They came down. Guy sat in my driveway, and I was I was a linebacker slash defensive end. I, I, you know who broke my uh, – I, I don't think I've ever told Xander any of this. You know who broke my uh, sack records in Fairfield County? Dwight Freeney. My sophomore year, I had 28 sacks. My junior year, I had like 19. And My senior year, I think I had 20-something. I just killed guys. Was, you know who I was playing quarterback? I was playing against who was a quarterback it was Steve Young. Steve Young played in my conference and I used to kill him when I could catch him. And so like, you know, yeah. And so those guys were just, Oh my God, man. So this guy, Dick McPherson comes down and he's recruiting me. And then all of a sudden Norm Gerber recruits me. He goes like this, Hey, we'll even give you number 44. And I went like this, man, come on. I go, Norm, that's Jim Brown's number you ain't giving me Jim Brown's number to come to Syracuse. And he goes like this. Well, if you want it, you can wear it. I go, dude, how many guys have you offered number 44 to? And Norm Gerber looked me right in the face and he goes, all right, 21. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, you're still on my list then. You're at least being honest. Guy was going to go, you could wear 44 at Syracuse. I'm like, man, you ain't giving me Jim Brown's number, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man, that ain't happening. Jake says, I'm an Eagle fan. I like Kurtz. I don't think he has the complete talent to be a franchise quarterback. I'm rooting for him, and I hope I'm wrong. But I won't believe it until I see it. Why is that so wrong? Jake, don't give an honest assessment of what you're thinking. People hate that. Jake, you're right. That's mine. Jake, I, I, I agree with you. It's not wrong. Jake, I'm with you. What's this? Jake, I'll, I'll put my name in it. Hey, Dan Silio here, as an Eagle fan, I like Jalen Hurts. I don't think he has the complete talent to be a franchise quarterback. I'm rooting for him. I hope I'm wrong, but I won't believe it until I see it. What's so wrong about that? Signed, Dan Cilio. I completely agree. I don't believe there's anybody in here, or I don't believe there's anybody that is rooting against that guy. There's no one. Okay? Nobody's rooting against any. Why would we be rooting for a shitty season? Got it right here, Daz. Brian, got it right here. Glad you brought it up. Guys, you reminded me. So USA Today had the Philadelphia Eagles ranked ninth in the NFL and fourth in the NFC. I'm not doing all 32 teams. I don't want to talk about teams at the bottom of the pile, okay? I don't. So I'm going to talk about the 10 best teams in the National Football League. I probably should have talked about the top 12 teams, okay? I probably should have did that, but I'm going to go 10, okay? Here are my big sales power rankings. In lieu of what we saw with USA Today's rankings for the power rankings, here's who I think are the 10 best football teams in the NFL as now we are in training camp. At number 10, the AFC's Indianapolis Colts. Got a great running attack. I think uh, what you have on defense is outstanding. I think their front seven is good. The addition of Matt Ryan will settle that position down a little bit. Plus, you have Jonathan Taylor, who gained 1,810 yards. You have Michael Pittman, who I think is a heck of a football player. They ended up upgrading the position, of wide receiver as well. I mean – Carson Wentz did not play bad last year, 3,700 passing yards, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 94 quarterback rating. They're just in a very packed AFC. And do I think that they could be in the mix potentially to make a move? It all really going to come down to Matt Ryan and his play. Okay. I really think that the Colts, Colts have a pretty good roster and they're a pretty dominant at the point of attack football team. I like them. This is where I had the Eagles when I made the pre-training camp power 10 Big Sills top teams in the NFL. I still think the Eagles are ninth. Um, I think here's what I'm going to say to you about the NFC's Eagles, and I got them ranked ninth also. Would it be fair to say that there's two rosters in the NFL that you would say are pretty complete? The only issue is the difference is that quarterback. I think the Buffalo Bills have the best roster in the NFL. But I think the deepest roster in the NFL is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I think the Eagles have the deepest roster. I think they could overcome even the quarterback going down, putting Gardner Minshew, in. I think it's still win nine games. Because, get this, the difference between Gardner Minshew quarterbacking the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, in my eyes, is this. I think Jalen can win 11, 12 games. I think Gardner Mitchell can win nine or 10 games. I don't think there's that much of a difference. But when you're starting to talk the difference between nine to 12 games, man, those are starting to become elite teams. I think the jump is higher, but I think Gardner Mitchell could win nine to 10 ball games. And I think Jalen Hurts can win 11 to 12 games. So I still think that they would be successful. I I think you have the best substitute teacher next to Nick Foles in Indianapolis. I think that's also an advantage for Indy is having Nick Foles there with Frank Reich again. So I say Bills and Eagles have the best rosters, and I say the Eagles are the deepest roster. At number eight, I I got the Chargers here at number eight. Justin Herbert, the addition of Khalil Mack. Then you, have Joe, then you have Joey Boza on the other side. Then you have a healthy Derwin James. You added more uptake in the secondary as well. Plus, you re-signed Mike Williams. You got Keenan Allen. You got Eckler back there in the backfield, who's a great versatile back. Can run in between the tackles, catch the football. I'll tell you what, if that Charger team doesn't do shit this year, you're firing that coach. And if I was Sean Payton, boy, I'd like that job. Justin Herbert and all that talent there. He's in Los Angeles. I would not want the cowboy job. Justin Herbert versus Dak Prescott. What job would you want? Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. That defense on the other side of the football. Come on, man. I'm not going to Dallas if that Charger job is open. I would never do that. Number seven, this is all going to be a health issue here. I got the Ravens here. God, the Ravens are such a great organization. They are always competing for greatness every year. Steve Biscotti, the owner, man, he goes from Ozzie Newsome to the Castro, and those guys had a great draft, great offseason. They let Hollywood Brown go, I get it. They're going to have to make that more inviting for wide receivers to want to play in Baltimore. But if Lamar Jackson is healthy, shit, man, he's a machine. And plus, he's playing for a contract, and he also wants forty six point one million bucks. Man, I, I Baltimore is such a good team; they're so well run. Number six, I got the Chiefs. You know, let me ask you something here. Do you think that the Titans are going to struggle? not having A.J. Brown in the huddle in Tennessee. You think they struggle. I don't don't think they struggle, but I don't think they're going to be as prolific as they could be with A.J. Brown. How do you think Kansas City's going to be without Tyree Kill? You know, the Chiefs, you would make the argument a couple years ago that they were one of the top two teams in the NFL – now I look at them and they're slowly declining under Andy Reed. They're kind of like losing talent. You know, when they lost Kareem Hunt, they lost 17% of their offensive output because of his ability to run the ball and to catch the ball out of the backfield. Kareem Hunt was a machine in Kansas City. They have not replaced that player. The loss of Tyree Kill now – and the inability to be able to replace a Kareem Hunt, in my opinion, I think that offense is starting to walk backwards, even though you've got the greatness of Patrick Mahomes there. I think I think you know what? I think they're trending down. Could fool me, and I could be completely wrong here on this. But I look at the Chiefs and I go like this now. I don't know. They're still the 6 best team, in my opinion. Number five, now we're starting to get into the top five here, Big Seals Power Rankings, now that we're in camp. I got the Packers here. How many people think that the loss of Devontae Adams is going to be a significant blow to the Packers? I'm going to tell you why I don't think it is. You're in the NFC. If the Packers and Aaron Rodgers were in a very tight, division say like the afc west that is a difference maker but when you're in the nfc north and the only team you got to concern yourself with is the vikings you're not going to concern yourself with the lions or the bears you're not going to concern yourself with pretty much anybody else that you're going to have on your schedule because there's not a lot of prolific teams in the nfc outside of bucks rams and those teams so i don't think that that's going to be as Much of an issue for Aaron Rodgers, as say as it would if he was in the AFC. Okay? I just don't. I I think they're going to be a contender. Number four, I got the Bengals. Improved O-line. Improved Joe Burrow. Here is the one thing that if I were Joe Burrow, let me tell you this to you. You know how Joe Burrow's not going to be? There's two reasons Joe Burrow – may not want to finish his career, may not want to finish his career, okay, in in Cincinnati. Two reasons, ready? Money, and you can't protect me. You cannot give up 70 sacks. They have replaced three guys in the offensive line, okay? They have revamped the entire old line. A lot of new faces, Okay, you got a lot of skilled guys that are exceptional. Okay. Brian says this. Hey, Dan, 42 years on this earth, 94 WIP, and the fanatic can't carry your jock. Brian, thank you. Thank you. That's kind. I don't think so either. (laughs) I like Angelo, dude. And by the way, I liked Mike Missanelli, too. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. That's a compliment. By the way, Brian, I'm starting to like your Eagles more, but I have fallen in love with the Eagle fan base. Does that make sense? I like the fan base more than I like the team. I don't know if if you guys like that or not, but I just like the fan base. I like the people. Crazy, huh? I would lie to you if I told you that I was an Eagle fan. I would be lying, but I really like you guys, because I like how you guys fight for your team, stick up for your team, you're loyal to the soil, give me shit about it. You know, you've, you've, you've watched every game. You guys watch games from last year, okay? That's, that's to me, when someone goes, Ocelio's pretending to be an Eagle fan. I never said I was, but I do love the fan base. That I won't lie. That I won't lie. Hey, dude, Yale, I freaking, dude, I never thought how cool they, look, I I won't lie to you. I was, I was, I was talking in Boston and Patriot fans. Our day got a lot, a lot of similarities, you guys. They hate anybody from outside coming in and talking shit. Okay. They hate, you know, what's funny. Xander said something to me today, big sales, man, you're really doing great. You know, then he goes like this, you know, usually when outsiders and I was like, interesting, that's how Xander sees people too. Just like the rest of you outsiders coming in to talk about his teams. Got to kind of be around the room a little bit. You know what I mean? Like a PD from Phoenix taking over a Philly sports station. Okay. I bet that's going over well. <laughs> Some guy that plants cactuses is going to tell you how the people in Philly react. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. That I'll never get. <laughs> and I'll never get that. <laughs> i don't even want to say that because it's really good loyal to the soil man those hey those those patriot fans are pretty good though too man they they love that t- they love that stuff up there too jesus crime and he xander's looking to kill somebody right now. <laughs> hey, let me go up here number four bangles okay i gotta do this man and prove the whole line. I said it. I really like Joe Burrow, man. I think a lot of him. I got the Bucks at three. The USA Today guys have them farther down. I think it's got a lot to do with the Ryan Jensen injury. You know what? It is a significant injury, too. When you lose your center, like I'll say this to you the number one crippling move that would really hurt the Eagles' chances of really being good this year, don't lose Jason Kelsey. Don't lose Jason Kelsey. Knock on wood. Okay, don't lose that guy. Don't lose that dude. And losing Ryan Jensen, okay, is a huge deal for the Buccaneers. Here are my top two teams. I have it different. USA Today has it flipped. I have the Rams too. I think the addition of Bobby Wagner coming over, I think it's a big deal. He's a Hall of Fame linebacker, and he's still got juice in the tank. Okay, I, he, he still has juice in the tank. And how about the way that Les Snead and Kevin Demoff and Stan Kroenke run that team, man? They're going to be right there again. Now, there's something significant with Matthew Stafford. He's got like pitching elbow or something. And Sean McFay's kind of concerned. That could help the Eagles. By the way, nobody here is rooting for injuries. But if Matthew Stafford's injured, pff, watch this. Hey, it's football, dog. That helps the Philadelphia Eagles out. That helps the Eagles. If Stafford can't play, I'll I'll take it. I think the best team in the league this year, I think it's the Bills. I think the job that then they add Von Miller too. I think the Bills have the best roster. And I like, and by the way, former Eagle assistant Sean McDermott, dude, he's a hell of a football coach. Okay, I mean, he has turned out to be a – and he's a defensive-minded guy too. You know what I mean? So he's a defensive-minded guy. So here's my top ten again. I got Colts at ten, Eagles at nine, fourth-best team, by the way, in the NFC. I got the Chargers at eight. I got the Ravens at seven, Chiefs at six, Packers at five, Bengals at four, and I got the Buccaneers three and the Rams, two, and the Bills, number one. Tell you what, man, from where the Eagles have come since that four eleven and one to where they are right now, it's pretty remarkable, to say the least. Hey, tonight, Dick Vermeil gets his gold jacket. Then he's inducted on Saturday. I love watching those induction speeches for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Less than 340 men of the one percenters of the world are going into the Hall of Fame. What a great honor that is. And I'll be watching every second of that. Then we have Jets Week next week. Guys, I love it, man. I appreciate you guys, man. We had a huge week. Please, if you go if you go back and watch any of the show, make sure you tell everybody. We had Rich McKay on, the chairman of the competition committee of the National Football League. Third most powerful man in the league. We had him on in the first hour. Our friend, Lord Brunson, who was just great in our number two. And all of you, we really appreciate it. Xander, thank you so much. You guys have a blessed weekend. We'll see you on Monday going 3 to 6 Eastern, and we'll catch you on the flip side.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.